is up, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. And this is the C3 Podcast, brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Every Tuesday night, we chop up the latest news and opinions. Tonight's show is a big one. NFL Bizarro Land, CJ Anderson cut, and on the road against the Detroit Lions. Episode 1841. That's right, 41 episodes we've done for Super Bowl. Every Tuesday night, 9 p.m., you know what to do. Smash that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Like on Facebook. All of that. Help us grow and support the show and build Panther Nation together. And one homeboy that loves to do that with me. Hey, me. How are you, my friend? Tony Dunn, Thursday is out of my mind. Like CJ Anderson is out of this team, baby. I'm ready to go. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. It's about time. It's about space. It's about time for the C3 podcast to slap your face. So let's go. <laughs> well played, sir. All right, guys. We are gonna we have a special guest tonight, Logan Lamarandier, editor in chief for the Lion Lowdown. His name is a tongue twister. I'm sure to screw it up when he comes on uh and on his own. All right. Uh so Logan. Lama Randier is going to join us at 9.35 to help preview the Lions matchup. And we also got a little special guest coming on in about just one or two minutes. We've got old uh, Shadow Cat Joshua Outland here to help us chop up this game and to talk about what we're getting down on. See if uh, we're down, uh, out for the counts, or if the Panthers are, are going to bounce back. Come back with a fury. Man, Cody, the Panthers demolished. The Panthers were demolished, but so were the Falcons. Yeah. And, and, well, the Saints, they were just the demolition crew demolishing everybody in their way. The Panthers also released a healthy C.J. Anderson in the process. What is going on in the NFL? Bizarro land. The Cleveland Browns helping us out. The Saints can't be stopped. What's going on with us, Cody? Well, I don't know. Let me uh, let's uh, tune in then see what Matt Ryan thinks about it. Fuck. Give me. <laughs> uh, so I think he was a little bit upset. And I tell you what, I'd rather lose to the Steelers than the Browns any day, man. Uh, listen, uh, you know we were hurt. Our feelings were just really mess with and hurt after that football game. But I almost feel as if we were duped, man. It was a Thursday night on the road, not a lot of time to prepare. These Thursday night football games are hell on the players. You know, um, I'm not dismissing what happened Thursday night, but, you know, there's a, there's a saying that sometimes you just burn the footage and you burn the film. That's kind of what I feel we have to do. We have to move forward. Can't sulk about it. Cam Newton had the right attitude in his post-press conference. We have to move forward. The Lions are right up next. All right, let's go ahead. While you bring in our first guest, Cody, really you're right is that um, you go back and you look at what the Panthers did. I tried watching a little bit of the game for a second time today. 
And really, we're just kind of a failure on any and every level uh, at, you know, you look like you're going to march down the field and have your way with the Steelers and make a statement on Thursday night. They strike immediately with a 75-yard pass to Juju. They then score again with a defensive touchdown on the very following play. But really, it felt like it was all like the, like it was never meant to be because even on that opening kickoff, right before they score that touchdown, we get a penalty. Uh, I think it was that uh, Carter Carter kid, uh, the one from Maryland, the linebacker that everybody has been very high on uh, and what he could bring in the future for a late-round pick. So, I mean, it's like it was penalty. It was uh, bad play, bad decision. And then I, I really feel like Tur- uh, North Turner got shook early in that game. And when I say that is he really just didn't simply have an answer for those two speed rushers. And some of the play calling was not helpful to that offensive line to really get things done. So I'm going to open that question up right here to Joshua Outland, a.k.a. the Shadow Cat. Joshua, welcome to the C3 podcast and welcome to the C3 family. I know that you're planning on doing a bunch of preview videos for us and joining the podcast from time to time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on, both of you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Like my man said, I think this is one of those games where, like he said, you burn the footage. Um, Going in, I had a pretty good feeling about this game, but now in hindsight, it's like, what the hell are we expecting? It's in Pittsburgh. They're a legacy team. They're automatically going to get better calls. I mean, going into this game, they were averaging, I believe, nine penalties a game. And at the end of this game, they only had one penalty, the one that was the pass interference on DJ Moore in the end zone. And at that point, I felt like that's just like a, well, a makeup call. We'll give you this one because we, we bailed them out on so many other calls. Uh, it's it's like uh, they're averaging nine penalties a game. All of a sudden, they become disciplined? No, I don't think so. Going into this game, I believe the record for home team games on Thursday Night Football was 8-2, and two, and I believe it's now 9-2. and two. I could be wrong on that, but the basically what I'm saying is the overwhelming disparity in favor of the home team on Thursday Night Football. You are right about that because it is nine and two now that the Panthers fell. It was eight and two, and then the previous two losses though were the two worst teams in the NF. I mean uh, the NFL. That was the New York Giants lost at home, and I also believe the San Francisco. It was the Arizona Cardinals lost at home. So it has not been a good track record for anybody, good teams or bad teams alike. So that is definitely, guys. That has been a lot of people have said, and Cody, I'll turn this to you, is that a lot of people have been questioning about how you work on just four days of rest in the modern NFL and how it shows on Thursday night. A lot of people have talked about the irony of caring for player safety, but then making them play so quickly. I got to think this is that it showed for the Panthers, but one team it did not show up for was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And those guys didn't look to be slowed down one bit by Thursday night. And please don't tell me that they had to travel from Cincinnati to Philly, I mean, from Philly to Pittsburgh or something like that, 
and that what in our trip was just so long well i, I want to say i, I uh, heard a stat somewhere that the home team during thursday night football games are they win something like 73 percent of the time uh, i mean it really is an astronomical number for the home team how much of an advantage they have uh, so another thing that we haven't even thrown in there is the travel they have to leave beforehand they have to get into hotels you know they're away from home i mean i'm interested to see what happens to the packers um, Thursday night when they go up to Seattle and see what ends up happening to them. Um, I mean, I don't want to write, uh, you know, uh, just start throwing excuses at the whole team and just forgive them for everything that happened because there were some bad things that happened that we have to make sure that we do better. But overall, I do not believe that what you saw last Thursday night was indicative of the Carolina Panthers and who we've become in the three games that we've won previous to that. We're a better football team than that. I don't think that you have to worry about other teams putting up 52 points on us, even the Saints, you know. I mean, they're they're division rivals and they have a high-powered offense, but we're better than that. And I I don't believe that uh, that was the best Panthers football team that, that we could have seen play the Steelers. I hope we see them one more time. I'll say that. Joshua, why do you think uh, that this was that these this defense looked so out of sorts? Other than rest, well, like he, well, like he said, I mean, I think a part of it is rest. A lot of it also, you know, the Steelers at home, they have that home brewing. They're able to practice a bit more. The Panthers, I mean, it's they didn't really get to go out until midway through the week. By that point, you only have enough time to get out there get a, a, a somewhat of a game plan in place, but you don't really have any convoluted style of play. You basically play like preseason football, vanilla football. And I think that's what we were playing on Thursday night was vanilla football. We were just playing preseason style football and the Steelers come out with a plan, a Machiavellian style plan made to go to war with the Panthers to take down, you know, a top ranked team. And they came out on top. And again, I think a lot of it as well was early on, there was no adjustments made to the def- uh, you know, to the defense that the Steelers were bringing, the pass rush. And I was watching the, during the Aussie Riot watch party, and I, I'll admit that there was some adjustments made later on in the game. But by that point, it felt like the game had already snowballed out of our control where we couldn't catch back up. The game when that got out of control in the end of the second half when we had an opportunity with two minutes to get the ball back and to show some poise and march down the field and make it a 10-point game. And we got into a third and 28 situation where Cam ended up chunking it up and I think the ball was just short, bounced off the ground or something, you know. But that was the moment that I knew that this, if you were going to strike back, that was a real time to make a difference where you walk into the half and all of a sudden you say, look, we got, we got Molly want um, in the first half, but we're still in this down 10 points. It's a 10, nothing game guys, get your act together. But I think one of the problems that I am, not, I'm not happy with, or at least I'm not pleased with or accepting the short rest the you know the is how bad it was <laughs> it's like it wasn't we just yeah. got beaten handled on on Thursday night f- football 
we looked like we had never played football before. And you're starting, you were starting to think that this team was really starting to come together offensively. We've been excited the last couple of weeks that the, the offense has been the main catalyst, I feel like, of this team. But the defense was starting to show some signs of being able to weather through maybe some of the early problems that Eric or learning curve from Eric Washington. Also, some of the things that, you know, just the lack of pass rush, Eric Reed starting to make a difference. And everybody from top to bottom had a bad game. And I want to turn that to this point. I don't, where do you guys, where should we stand on the defense specifically? Is Washington the problem or was Pittsburgh the problem here? And when I say Washington, I mean defensive coordinator, Eric Washington. A lot of people have been pointing the finger at him this week. Well, what I'll start by saying is this. You know, I understand there's a lot of fervor right now. Fire Eric Washington. Fire, you know, the linebacker oh, yeah. coach. Fire, fire everyone. But here's the deal. It's so easy to say that, but who are you hiring that's going to be a better option at this point in the season? Because I'm telling you, there aren't really a lot of better options. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be happy about what we've seen from defensive play calling. I mean, the perfect example, when Dante Jackson was on Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown beat him for the long ball. You know, that was a matchup that we were all wanting to see. But the fact of the matter is you have a first-year cornerback on maybe the best receiver in the NFL, and there's no over-the-top safety help. I mean, that matters. You know, that there were, there were defensive game plan problems that were uh, apparent. And, and uh, you know, but then in the same token, you know, Eric Washington didn't make James Bradbury bite on that play that went for a touchdown on their first offensive snap. So, you know, the the I'm not on the fire Washington train, but I do think that everyone needs to play better. I mean, this is there. You know, it's a trend now where teams are are putting up twenty or more points on us on a you know a normal basis and that that's not acceptable. Well, I think a lot of that is the pass rush isn't really getting to the quarterback also. So it enables them more time in the pocket. I mean, there was one pass they were, they were showing it over and over where Ben Roethlisberger had a legitimately seven seconds to find a receiver. And he found his receiver. I believe he found Antonio Brown for about 38 yards and a play that we should have got him off the field, got him off the field on third down and been done with it. And instead, he had all that time to step up in the pocket and wait and wait and find his man coming open on the crossing route. Cody, why don't you cue up that clip? That's where we dropped nine back uh, into coverage. Julius Peppers, we did this twice in the game where we rushed to, to uh, everybody falls back into coverage now i want to point out it is on this play right here the steelers lined up five wide right here and then so we drop back we're in nickel you see some defensive linemen drop back i think td actually rushes if you look like this is i think td blitzes on the right side and then uh, you see some of the big boys dropping back, and it looks even worse than it is. Nope, uh-huh. not, maybe that was the next time that TD. TD rushed on the second time we did it. But 
I'm I'm starting to wonder was that a mistake? Was that really the play call? Was that you really not knowing how to deal with five wide? Uh, because I want to say that I really felt like uh, Shaq looked like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing on that play. And it, it almost seemed to me as if they said, this is a three-yard three play, and we got to guard this three-yard line, three the first down line, like it's the end zone, and then they just dump it behind us. Now, Going back to this question, because I don't think that this is just uh, an Eric Washington thing. Uh, I do think that, hey, we might be seeing signs of him having to learn how to be a a defensive full-time coordinator with a lot of people have pointed out new assistants in the process. But the guys blew some plays as well. Uh, To me, that this was... Where I'm most concerned is that we just have not seen uh, enough out of our defensive line. I saw Mario Addison make mistakes in that game on running downs where he needs to be better. We need him to be a full-time defensive end. But we just continue to see Vernon Butler out there. We We see KK and we see Poe, and there's no difference being made. And maybe they're almost getting there a lot of times, but it's not resulting in game changing plays how do we start a fire light a fire under this defensive line Cody because you saw what we struggle tremendously with three four defenses we always have that's why we have always done poorly against teams like the Steelers we had no answer for the speed rush on the outside they look so athletic those two guys they look so quick and it and you juxtapose that against our defensive line and it just wasn't there. They do have a good offensive line, Cody. How do you do this without just saying we got to blitz every play? Well, I mean, as far as the pass rush is concerned, um, that it starts with our front four. And as simple as the answer might be, uh, I mean, Kwan Short and Dontari Poe, they need to step it up because your linebackers play faster when your defensive tackles are, are, are doing their job and when they're winning at the point of attack. And that helps out Luke and, and Shaq and, and, and Thomas. I mean, that helps them out tremendously. I think our defensive tackles have to play better, and the fire needs to be lit under their asses. I mean, you know, a, another point to be made here is this will be the last season for Julius Peppers, we're assuming, Thomas Davis, Ryan Khalil. I mean, there are a few stalwart veterans on this football team that this might be their final chance at the Super Bowl ring. So it's now or never. Uh, I mean, the, the, the time for waiting around and saying, oh, maybe the pass rush will show up. Maybe it will. You know, maybe a few, you know, uh, some games down the road. Listen, Matthew Stafford has been beaten to hell. Okay, that offensive line is not a good one. If I'm the Panthers' defensive line, mm-hmm. I'm looking this Sunday as an opportunity to absolutely feast. And we have to, man. This has to be the, the the moment that our pressure and how we're affecting the quarterback changes the rest of the season, in my opinion. You're going against the Detroit Lions uh, offensive line that has been atrocious this season. They uh, surrendered six sacks. Now against the Chicago Bears defense, that might even be considered a victory at times, only six sacks. 
but they have given up a ton of sacks and a ton of points in the last three weeks. The sad part about this is when I think back historically over the last five years, we've been doing this show and keeping it, keeping a close watch on every aspect of our team that we have never, it seems like, look, two years ago, we were supposed to feast against the saints offensive line when they were terrible and we couldn't get anything. Like every time we play a terrible offensive line, we really have not answered the call traditionally. But now you're going against a, D- a Detroit Lions team that has struggled on the offensive line, that is having a lot of problems. And this is an opportunity to strike back. I think you're going to get a rabid Panthers team coming out very hot, very emotional, trying to show that Kyle Love, as Wes Underground pointed in the chat room, is uh, was only asleep for one week. What was up with that? Kyle Love, was he really asleep on the sidelines, guys? So, okay, apparently he was pissed off about this because they talked about it on the Monday Night Football pre-show, and apparently he was upset because he just had his head down. So he looked like he was sleeping, but apparently he just had his head down. Um, to him, he was not asleep. But um, Yeah, but perception is reality, though. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> Hey, I, I mean, that's, that's like that how they I always talk about too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they always talk about Cam Newton on the sidelines. If you actually watch a Panthers game, you know, when, when, even if the Panthers have a bad drive, you see Cam Newton, he'll go, he'll look at the play, what went wrong. But all that the media wanted to show for the first four or five years was off. Oh, well, there's Cam Newton with a towel on his head. He's pouting. So, I mean, it's the perception is the reality of it. And Kyle Love, he looked like he was asleep during that game, even though he really was just frustrated at how it was turning out. I mean, uh, if we're being honest, I think all Panthers fans probably had that same look on our faces during that game in the second half, that either that or we were, were starting to drink. Uh, one of the guys I was with, the Aussie Riot, he was literally starting to drink shots while the game was happening. So I mean, I'll tell you it, it was one just person a bad that day. was probably drinking, right? They just joined us in the chat room. Is Carl Van? Uh, he was at the game. Carl Van goes to Pittsburgh, a C three member of the family, right? He's part. He's like part of the inner circle. Carl goes there representing the team, and he's got to suffer through that. It was so bad. I sent Carl twenty bucks on Facebook, and I said, "Here, go buy yourself lunch." for your mental health brother please keep it to keep going he said this why does it take us embarrassing ourselves uh to get this football team going it was atrocious it was bad the question is is this a tailspin or do we snap out of it i would like to bring up to you guys Uh, this and i think this is if you remember um the saints lost to the steel i mean the falcons lost to the steelers in pittsburgh 41 to 17, and then they went on a three-game winning streak. They come back and they beat the Buccaneers the following week, the Falcons, I mean, they beat the Giants the next week and take the Redskins. So if it took that to get a three-game winning streak, I'll be okay. But if we if we drop the ball, fumble the ball, and have problems, it's going to be a sad thing. Are these problems, though, with the defensive line? To me, the defensive line is the real concern here. How do they fire it up? How do you get guys to perform 
and get home when they have just been underwhelming and it leads to everybody else being underwhelming when we do this. So we'll be continuing to monitor that. Let's turn for the last five minutes before our guest comes on. We got Logan Lamarandier coming on uh, from the Lions Lowdown to help us break up, break into this Lions game. He's going to help us give a little insight into what's going on with their team. And it's not particularly good from what I have heard and what I have seen. But CJ Anderson released, guys. Uh, Josh, Joshua, what in the world? A healthy CJ Anderson, disgruntled though. We obviously knew that he yep. was unhappy with his role in the team. Ron Rivera did bring mention some of it and said that he was just um, that it was him uh, being upset was largely a part of why they released him. Why do you think? How do you feel about this move, Joshua? Well, I mean, I, at first, whenever I first heard about it with C.J. Anderson coming to the Panthers, I was happy about it. I was thinking, oh, man, this could be the next double trouble, the next Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, one-two punch with McCaffrey and Anderson. But Anderson honestly kind of underperformed the five, six touches that he did have with us. He didn't quite have the, you know, he didn't quite have the performance I was expecting of him. He even had one play, I believe it was against Atlanta, where he had a sure fire catch in his hands. He bobbles it, and it turns into an interception for the other side, uh, literally taking points off the board in a game that ended up becoming one possession. Uh, that You know, that you could literally say that that one play, had he made that, maybe Carolina is sitting at 7-3 and three instead of 6-3 and three right now. Um, you can't the same believe time, the, yeah, that he's he in the was, doghouse. You know, like the fact but at the that same the- time, Carolina has always wanted their locker room issues handled in the locker room. And when he goes out making posts like he did on Twitter and making tweets like he did in his Facebook post, he probably did catch the bad eye of the Panthers upper management. And they decided, well, hell, you don't want to be here. Find them. We'll get you. We'll bring in someone who does want to be here. And more importantly, someone who we feel fits our scheme better. The, the thing that upsets me, though, is why do this now? Why do this now? We had a healthy, good running back on our team, and even if we weren't using him that much, uh, I mean, why, we just passed the trade deadline. Why not see if you can get something for him? Why not see if there's another that- team to your draft pick for him? I mean, it really is asinine to me. And, and the, I mean, listen, the fact that he's no longer on the team anymore – you know, it's not surprising by any stretch of the imagination, but you just have to wonder, though, like, we're not a better team because of this. You know, I mean, we had a a, a, a veteran running back that's been proven. You know, he's done this before. He's a thumper. You know, and now, I mean, God forbid, if something happened to Christian, uh, you know, we don't have him on the team anymore. And then Ron Rivera talking about, Cameron Artis Payne. Now, I mean, you've had three seasons with them. You're not going to find out anything about Artis Payne that you didn't already know before. So, I don't now, know, I'll man. say, yeah, go ahead. I, I got to say this about Cameron Artis Payne. That's just coach speak. They're not looking to see yeah. anything from Cameron Artis Payne. We we've seen it for since I think 2015 when he was drafted, or, or maybe even in 2014. 
in four or five years with the team, we haven't seen nothing. We're not going to see anything with him. I, I think that this was more about them saying, well, there's another guy out there, Tavares Cadet. You know, we oh want to bring God. more speed. We want to have that pass catcher out of the backfield. Now, I don't what really know if Tavares Cadet was the answer. Say that again. Yeah. What is Christian McCaffrey then? Now, don't we're we're gonna say this is that I I, I disagree. I think that Cam uh, that Cameron Artist Payne has deserved a hat. Hashtag give Cap a hat. Uh, I believe that he has taken uh, advantage of certain opportunities that he has been given in a limited role. And I tell you one thing: for a guy who has just been put on the sidelines on the shelf and who has caused zero problems about talking about how or anything too similar to maybe what CJ has done. It certainly wasn't Cameron Artis Payne. I'm with you though, Cody, is this, is that if this was truly, uh, if this is really, if he's useless, if he's uh, sour to the point you can't deal with it, why don't you do it before the trade line deadline? Why don't you just accumulate a seventh round pick for him? Even if it's something you can maybe use to trade up with other picks later on. Um, and a second, if it's true, that Cameron Artis Payne can fill that void that you believe, and he does a lot of things that C.J. Anderson does, why did we waste the time going after C.J. Anderson in the first place? Why didn't we allocate those resources, that energy, somewhere else on the squad where we could have used the help? What I want to do real quick before our guest joins us, let's play. I've got the clip. Here is Ron Rivera explaining why they released C.J. Anderson. Well, I think the biggest thing more than anything else really was about opportunities and stuff, and, and, and we felt it and saw it, and, and I know that um, he envisioned a, uh, a different type role. Uh, I think we had an idea as well, but this is an opportunity to give a, a veteran guy a chance, and also more importantly for us, it gives an opportunity for us to really take an honest look at Cap. You know, Cameron Artis Payne's been here a few years, and he's done some good things, but we just haven't had enough opportunities for him. Uh, we put ourselves in a position where we have to find that, and so uh, I'm excited for Cameron, and I think this will be a good opportunity for Cap. Right. It is an important depth piece, but when you look at the things that that, that Cap can do in comparison, um, they're very similar. And so, you know, and again, knock on wood, we can maintain and and, 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 and Christian can continue in the role that he is, um, we should be fine. I mean, it's a little bit of a gamble, but we, we feel strong enough about Cap uh, that we want to give him this opportunity. Poor Cap. Poor Cap. Give Cap a hat. That's what I say, mm. because this guy is really just getting dumped on because, you know, it's just leftovers. It's the scraps, and it didn't work out with CJ, and it's sad. All right, Josh, we got some other guests coming on the show. Joshua Outland, tell them what you're going to be doing for the C3 podcast going forward over the next few weeks. Well, first off, as soon as I get off of here and finish listening to the rest of the show, I'm going to be doing the Panthers-Lions preview. Uh, spoiler alert, I think that what you, you know, the question you asked, is this a, you know, a tailspin for the Panthers? If it had been 2014, yeah. I mean, if you, when you looked at the game against, that we had against the Steelers last time, it was the Ravens, it was the, it was the Packers. We had a murderer's row back in 2014. This year, not so much. We got the Lions. We should feast on them this week. We've got... You know, we've got the Seahawks. If it was in Seattle, I'd be a bit more worried. Instead, we got them in Carolina where we're undefeated this year. That's a good sign. Buccaneers, they're, they're a team that's got two quarterbacks, so they don't have a quarterback. They're in disoriented. They're disheveled. They're disarrayed. That's another win. 
I don't see any reason why we could not be at least nine and three, ten and three by the team by the time we take on the Saints, the Falcons, and the Saints again to end the season. So no, I do not think that this is a tailspin. As for what I'm going to be doing, the preview, like I announced. And I'm also going to be trying to get more awareness on Facebook for you guys. Get C3. You guys are awesome on Twitter, YouTube. You get in the different social medias. And I'm going to try to get you guys more awareness on Facebook as well. Well, fantastic, man. It's been great hanging out with you for the first time of many on the C3 podcast. We welcome you and your contributions. Follow Joshua Outland on Facebook. He's known as the Shadow Cat. Check out his previews. We're going to drop them about he's going to about Thursday night, Friday morning, generally put them out. You guys catch those in the back end of the week. And uh, we appreciate it, man. You have a good one. All right, guys, this is the C3 Panthers, it. C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night you can check out the latest Panthers news and opinion. I do want to remind that we got your cat calls coming later in the show. The number is 252 228 228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. You can get your voice heard on the C3 Panthers podcast. We've got a lot of emotional calls to come, a lot of things still to talk about. We want to go ahead and encourage you to smash that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe, and also that notification bell. It's a big deal because I've got 250 subscriptions of YouTube channels I plow through. And uh, it's hard to find everybody. So when we're going live, we want you to be a part of the show. And with that, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the Detroit Lions. We're going on the road against the team that's also reeling backwards in the Detroit Lions. And we've got Logan Lamarandier. Did I get close? I said it last year. And right when I said it last year, Logan, I screwed it up. I think I'm a little closer this year. No, that was perfect. Nice job. Yes. <laughs> right on. From the Lions Lowdown, Logan, welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast. You were here last year when we uh, – actually, Detroit was a big game for us. Cam Newton, you know, threw five touchdowns, I think, in that game. If we go back, it was a big game for Cam Newton. Uh, and one Dixon. that kind of <laughs> – Yeah, that's right. Ed Dixon, the big giant player yeah. from Ed Dixon. So, look, tell us a little bit. From what I've heard, I've been listening to a little bit on the Detroit Lions and what you guys are going through. I, I would say, before you get started, can you sit up straight? Is it that what? Matt, 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 yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Matt Patricia, I know where you're going Matt there, Patricia yeah. goes in the dang press conference and a guy asks him a question <laughs> and he starts going after the guy's posture. It was crazy. Uh, he's, <laughs> a little, he's a little on tilt is what I would call it. But yeah. you guys uh, had a tough game against the Chicago Bears, gave up six sacks, I believe. It's kind of a point where it seems like this season has gotten away from you guys. Um, what is going on in Detroit right now? Uh, it's been a very interesting season. It's been so up and down. And we just, we've had some games where we've looked great against good teams. Uh, we beat, <laughs> we beat the, the Patriots and we pretty much dominated the Patriots. And then the Lions have also beat the Packers, which are not as good as they've been in years past. But again, it was a dominating performance. And then Miami at the time, it looked like a good win just because they had a good record. They still have a winning record, but they're obviously not the team uh, that I think their record really shows. And then you have a bunch of other games 
you look at the last three weeks, the Lions have lost by double digits every week, and there is really no positives to the last three weeks. There is not a ton going right for them, either on offense or defense. If you want to run the ball, if you want to pass the ball, you pretty much can do either. The Lions did trade for Damon Snacks Harrison, and their uh, rushing defense has taken a step forward. But at the same time, uh, Darius Slay was out last week, and the Lions can't seem to cover anybody. And you're making guys like Mitchell Trubisky look great. And he's had a Trubisky's had some decent games, but he hasn't been a world beater by any means. And he made the Lions' defense look like Swiss cheese. So <laughs> there's that's the overall synopsis right now it's just there's not a lot going right for them and they're a team that kind of looks a little lost and I don't know it's really tough to gauge effort level and just motivation but it doesn't look like they're playing very hard because you have a lot of veterans who are getting paid good money and none of them are really having a good season and there's very few bright spots right now for the Lions so what is going on with go ahead Cody well, Logan, I would normally save these types of questions toward the end of the interview, but based off of what happened with the Bears and, and teams before that, how do you feel about the Panthers coming into town? Frankly, we just got our ass whipped in front of the entire nation. You know, we, we're kind of licking our wounds right now. Do you feel confident about Carolina coming into town, or are you worried about that offensive line protecting Matthew Stafford? No, I mean, considering what the Lions have shown the last three weeks, uh, I I don't think Lions fans in general, including myself, are very confident at all that the Lions are going to be able to pull this out. Uh, Carolina, I know you guys had a down week last week, and like you mentioned, it was a primetime game, so everyone got to witness it, and it looks, uh. it looks promising to start, and then things, you know, the wheels fell off a little bit, but Coming from a Lions perspective, no, that there's not uh, a lot of hope right now, and um, a lot of things are going to have to go right and drastically change. You know, the, it's become a trend where the Lions haven't been playing well. And, uh, you mentioned also the offensive line. They, Matthew Stafford's been sacked 16 times in the past two games, and that's also Golden Tate has. We've been out without him for a couple games now. And he was always kind of their short game screen passes, you know, just those really quick passes, to get the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands. And he hasn't had that safety blanket, I guess you can say, where there's always going to be a guy open underneath where he can get rid of the ball if he needs to. Um, so yeah, the confidence level is very low right now to answer your question. Joe Riolano in the house, that freaking Puerto Rican. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Sorry, I'm running behind, but um, I'm here. I know it's not like your wife left you with three kids, and I got a, I got three kids by myself, putting them down to bed, <laughs> trying to get the podcast started on time. And crazy enough, we got a, I got to take kids on a trip. It's gonna be insanity around here. I've been running around. I feel like Matt Patricia in the dang press conference. My question <laughs> is. Well, I'm going to go back to Logan and ask you is that you talked about the lack of confidence. It's just it really seems like you're a little shell-shocked right now when it comes to, to what's going on with the team. And what I feel like is, is very strange about this is that there seems to be, like you said, some veterans there 
but you had some injuries. The what's the guy that what's the what are the two guys that hate the media? And uh, and oh yeah, his, and yep. So Ashawn Robinson, the defensive tackle, and uh, he's been so last Courtney. week he came into the locker room during a practice and he was just irate at somebody, not necessarily anyone in the media, but was very upset and he had to be controlled by teammates to kind of get him out of there. And then after the game, uh, he pretty much just shunned all the reporters and was like, Nope, not answering any questions. And then, uh, yeah, I want to say Theo Riddick was the other guy who just pretty much wanted to shut down, just say, we don't have to answer to you guys. Cause it, to be fair, I mean, the media has been critical and it's it's deserved of the team. And so when the media asks difficult questions, especially right after a loss, when the wound's still fresh, they don't want to answer these type of questions. And they don't really have answers when you're asking what's going wrong. Because if they knew what was going wrong, outside of just saying the normal cliches of, oh, we didn't execute well enough or we didn't play well enough, that there's not the answers aren't really there. So I think these players are just getting upset with the same questions week after week. And there's really no answer for them. And the media is getting down on the team and they're asking questions that the players just don't like to hear. I'm going to do my best Colin Cowherd here. And we hate Colin Cowherd on this, on this podcast right here. So it's not going to be a good one, but to me, in some ways there, you know, you saw Matt Patricia have his moment in the press conference you see these guys being kind of emo- emotional or at least angered. You know, there seems to be some like just disarray. You know, there's a lot of questions when it comes to the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, I believe his name is correct. Yep. JBC. Um, so there's questions about that. And then you even see a guy like Matthew Stafford, who we feel like by this time is a couple of years ago, they were talking about, in fact, when we were talking this time last year, talking about, Matthew Stafford and how much he had improved. Now he hasn't been able to stand upright, but who is going to take over this team and lead them forward? I think is really what a lot of what Colin Cowher would say is that good God, if Patricia's not going to do it, who is going to do it? But how do you guys recover from this and start with offensively? Where do the lions, where are they at right now? Specifically traded away. Golden State, who many still believe are the best, was the best offensive player on the team, which I think is still crazy to say that. But he must be better than we're giving credit for. Where is this offense at right now? Well, they've they've really struggled, and it's been very hit or miss with the run game. Carry on Johnson, he's a rookie, very explosive. He's by far the best back. Uh, on that team and LeGarrette Blunt is still kind of vulturing carries and they're still trying to work him in there. I understand carry on Johnson. They might not want to really make him a workhorse type of back quite yet. And he had some nagging injuries in college that, you know, you just want to keep him fresh and he's been dealing with an ankle injury even here, but uh, the lions have been getting down so quickly that they haven't been able to establish a run game. And they have to go to the pass. And then as of right now, even though the Lions have great receivers, well, two of them now, two really good receivers, but they're not the best at getting open. They're guys that they're bigger body players and they're guys that have to make contested catches. And they haven't been doing that a ton this year. Uh, you see so many schemes now in the NFL with all these creative offensive coordinators that are scheming guys open. And the Lions are, their offense is about as basic as it gets. And I think, 
with Jim Bob Cooter. I think there's a lot of it's very predictable what he's doing right now. And you can just tell by alignment uh, from Lions fans. If if fans can tell what the, the Lions are doing, you know, the coaches have studied up enough where there's tells that there's just, you know, if they're in this formation, they're going to run the ball 75 percent of the time. And you heard it earlier in the year through audio clips on the field of, of opponents calling out the plays before they were even about to happen, like multiple times. And when you're that predictable, it's really tough to even do anything. And now without Golden Tate, uh, we don't have anyone that is truly a threat with the ball after the catch. Uh, you have guys that you're going to have to throw into coverage and you're going to have to hope they make a play, but it also gives an opportunity to the defense and people have been making plays. So it's Stafford has been carrying this team for the past few years. He really has. And this year he hasn't looked like he has been the past three years. And you, you start to see what the team looks like when he's not able to carry the team. And it's just been odd because we, we thought the offense was going to be the, you know, the driving force behind the team. We thought they were going to be able to carry the team and it hasn't been that. And it hasn't helped the defense really hasn't stopped anybody. And when they need to make stops, they just can't get it done. You see them start making stops later in the game when other teams get conservative. But at that point, you know, it's not really even a stop. It's just the other team, you know, almost tempting you or trying to ask you to, okay, go ahead and get the ball back and take a seven minute drive down the field to score. At that point, it's just a give and take. They'll gladly give you points if you take enough time off the clock. So it's, the offense, the offense has been really good if they've been able to establish a run, but you can't establish the run when you're already down 14 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I can say a couple of things on that. Um, Stafford, not having a good year. He's my quarterback on my fantasy team, and I am not having a good year there. Um, as far no. as Jim, Jim Bob Cooter goes, what you're saying reminds me of Mike Shula for the Carolina Panthers, yeah. a very plain offense that very predictable, um, almost like with a limited playbook. So um, yep. I, I feel your pain, brother. I really and do feel your pain. And to add on to that, Joe, to add on to that, the story sounds like an echo from the Carolina Panthers last year when you talk about having big-bodied receivers that really can't do much after the catch, guys that have to be thrown open. It takes a remarkable amount of precision from a quarterback. We saw Cam Newton struggle with this, is that if these guys, if he didn't put it just in the perfect spot, they were never open. There was never any separation, no matter if they were winning yeah. these catches or not. It took a lot on the quarterback. So, boy, we have been there. And why? It, and so you guys have, I guess, it's uh, you got away with a good injury or not an injury. Marvin Jones Jr., it looks like his knee is still okay, is going to be okay. They're, they're claiming it's a bone bruise. But how do you bring this to life? Is it established that running game? And try to limit yeah. the possession. Pretty much. And I think the the running game is so important to Detroit because it keeps their defense off the field. And it puts <laughs> the opponent's <laughs> offense in a little bit similar of a situation. Uh, 
if, if the bad, opponent's man. offense I'm becomes bad. predictable. <laughs> I've never heard that put that way. Usually you say we run the ball to keep the other team's offense off the field. We don't want our defense off the field because they're the worst rushing defense in the NFL. And lately they haven't been able to stop anyone through the air. And it's been really bad. And it was funny through the first few weeks, the Lions were actually first in uh, passing yards allowed because they're running the rushing defense was just so bad that no one even had to pass the ball. And the rushing defense has gotten a little better with Snacks Harrison now. And it's like, okay, so teams just decide to pass the ball. and They haven't been able to stop anyone. And what's more frustrating is the Lions, their corners, for the most part, they have a couple guys that they're always – they're in usually decent position, but they just don't play the ball. And receivers are always able to make the catch. Uh, you got, guys got like Tease Tabor – has a perfect passer rating when he's targeted. Uh, and he's <laughs> damn. He started <laughs> a few tough. games. Yeah. He's, last I checked, last week he was the only corner in the league to have a perfect passer rating against him. And, Noted. Yeah. And they don't <laughs> get any interceptions. Uh, uh, Glover Quinn, who was an elite safety for a long time and was very underheld in the, the national media's eyes, was a great safety at. It's very apparent the age has caught up with him this year, and he's kind of lost a step. He's just been out of position. Um, there's just a lot going wrong. The linebackers aren't good coverage linebackers, and it's it's hurting. If there's Like I said, I can't repeat it enough. The last few weeks have really beaten down the Lions fan base just in terms of confidence because there's just – I'm a stat guy. And actually, I just put it on Twitter. I'm like, I always just search for as many stats as I can find, any positive stats, and post them. I can't find anything. <laughs> there is really oh. nothing positive right now. I cannot find any positive stats. So well, let me right. ask you this. Go ahead, do, do, let, let me, yeah, let me ask you this. Do you feel that Matt Patricia just needs time to implement the type of culture that he wants in that locker room? Because, I, I mean, I do feel that it's unfair when you have a head coach. I mean, even Gruden in Oakland, you know, oh, this team's terrible. Is this, is that, you know. There's all this hype around it. But when you have a brand-new head coach, it does take a time and maybe one or two drafts to implement the kind of team that the coach has the vision for. Do, were your uh, expectations high for this season, or were you expecting this football team to basically hit the ground running? So I think it is very fair to give a coach at least a couple years, especially a, a new rookie head coach. But with the way – that the Lions fired Jim Caldwell, the expectations were he had two nine and seven seasons back to back. So when you're going to fire a guy, and I know the bar is very low, but that he's one of the best Lions coaches in franchise history with his winning percentage. And when you fire that guy to bring in someone else, and when your GM Bob Quinn, you know, implies that just being nine and seven is not good enough, you're going into it thinking that this isn't a roster that needs to be rebuilt. It's a roster that just needed a little bit more guidance and better game management. And that hasn't happened. And if anything, they've regressed. But at the same time, after Patricia was hired, yes, the expectations were high, but then the Lions didn't really go out and do anything in free agency. Uh, all the guys they signed, maybe except you know, Devon Kennard, uh, their outside linebacker, defensive end, you know, their rush 
edge player, whatever you want to call him in Patricia's defense. Outside of that, there really hasn't been any good signings. And then in the draft, the Lions draft class has actually been decent this year, but it hasn't been enough to overcome all the other deficiencies that they have. So when Patricia was signed, yes, the expectations were high. And then as that pre, the, you know, the preseason or the offseason progressed, you just saw a lot of signs that maybe this team wasn't as good as we thought they were. So it is. It's, it's very fair to give a new head coach some time, but uh, Lions fans are just so hungry for just any type of playoff success because it's been since 1991 that the Lions have won a playoff game and we've only been there three times. Yeah, it's, it's been bad. So Lions fans aren't very patient right now. They're not willing to give a new head coach all this time when we had a head coach who went nine and seven the last few years. And we expect that the new guy is going to get them over that proverbial hump. Two questions. We got one in the chat room is uh, what is going on? Where's Darius Slay? They haven't seen him this year. I know he's had some sort of injury. What is the status on Slay right now? So Slay had a knee injury and he's kind of been battling injuries all year. He keeps getting dinged up. Uh, For the most part, he's played, but then he didn't – he played the entire game two weeks ago, and then last week in practice, he didn't practice at all. So that's kind of – Not a good sign. No, no, not at all. So it's really going to – we're going to have to check the report this week and just kind of see where he's at, if he makes any progress, where he's getting at least uh, some limited practices. But as of last week, he didn't practice at all and obviously didn't play last week's game. So – um, Patricia doesn't talk injuries whatsoever. You bring something up and he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know what? You know, my deal. I don't talk about injuries. You know, no head coach to, does yeah. no head coach. If exactly. you want to get on Ron Rivera's bad side, you talk about injuries. If you want to, and I tell you, this is Matt Patricia probably got a little too ahead of himself when it comes to like being around Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick kind of earned that a little bit to to a point, you know, is that I feel like in the early stages, you got to play the game until you prove that you can be like my favorite moment in Bill Belichick history is he sits down for this press conference. And you know how all the dang reporters put their microphones like on the podium in front of him and he sits down and the first thing he does is just like shove them all back. And like I could just see him falling off the table he don't care about nothing. But my question though going to that is that is there any concern with the GM that you bring in Patricia and you half ask the change? And what I mean by that is you bring in the head coach, and I feel like I don't know a ton about the staff, but Jim Bob Cooter, I think, is a leftover from the old staff. I think there's a the quarterback's coach as well is a former New England, you know, got some ties maybe there, but was already there. Have you just not – is that is this a half ass change? So it felt like it a little bit. And Patricia was obviously a Bob Quinn guy from the New England ties. So I think they're kind of tied at the hip now. Uh, but with the Patriots going to the Super Bowl last year, that hire was a lot later than most other teams. And Paul Pasqualoni, the defensive coordinator that Patricia hired, I don't know if that was his first choice or not. It didn't really uh, enthuse a lot of people just because Pasqualoni has had very limited uh, success in the NFL. And he was pulled from 
the defensive line position, the defensive line coach at Boston College. Uh, that's now our NFL defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And it just seemed like a pretty big step up and was just some nepotism that, uh, that was one of Matt Patricia's, you know, he, one of his mentors per se. And if, if he was almost just doing him a favor, giving him a job, then yeah, he doesn't really seem like he's a good fit. And then a lot of people assume that Patricia would be calling the defense and Pasqualoni would be a pseudo defensive coordinator, but that really hasn't been the case either. And you can tell, but when Patricia's on the sidelines, he's working more with the defense than he is the offense. And keeping Jim Bob Cooter, the Lions offensive coordinator, was a lot to do with Stafford had played his best years under Jim Bob Cooter. And Stafford had come out and said he wanted to keep Jim Bob Cooter, and they granted his wishes. Now, this year, it definitely hasn't looked like that was the right move just because the offense has become so stale. So it is. I, if you want to call it, um, you know, just I, – I don't know. It's it's It will be interesting to see what Patricia does once he has – I don't think Jim Bob Cooter is going to survive this season. And if – Matt Patricia wants to bring in his own guys on the offense side of the ball. And even if Pasqualoni, we'll see what happens with him on the defensive side of the ball. Why is the offensive line so bad? Taylor, De- uh, Frank Ragnow, first round pick, I guess is having to is where maybe he wasn't a first round pick. I feel like he was a first round prospect. He might've been the guy yeah. that was coming off the injury. I can't remember if that's the case, but no, the he's offensive been- line is struggling. And it's really only been the last couple of weeks. The, the Lions, I want to say up until week six, were actually had the lowest pressure percentage per drop back in the league. And then they just, the last two weeks have fallen apart. And that coincidentally also happens after the trade of Golden Tate. And we kind of hit on that earlier, where it's just all of a sudden we don't have any player that you can get to the ball ball out quickly or if Stafford is under pressure he has someone he can get it to and is reliable and is on the same page and they've played together long enough where they just know what each other's doing so I I wouldn't say the offensive line overall has been poor uh, but the last two weeks they have been awful and a little bit has to do with Stafford holding on to the ball he doesn't ever throw the ball away he's a guy who will always try to avoid a sack and still make a play. And it's a very double-edged sword where sometimes it works out and he's able to escape and it looks like a great play. And then other times he gets sacked and uh, he's not the most secure with the football. When he brings the ball down and tries to run, he usually has that ball swinging out there pretty good. And he's had a couple costly fumbles this year. And there's been times when he's just fumbled by himself. He wasn't even hit. So I think it's just – you see so many sacks the last couple of weeks because they've been in such predictable situations where the defense knows it's going to be a pass and all they can do is pass and the defense can just really put their ears back and go 100% after the quarterback. Mark, uh, Cody, you got something for us? Well, you mentioned, you know, the, the offensive line. And, you know, it, it seems like, I mean, obviously I don't watch the Lions, but whenever I do hear about them, it's just Matthew Stafford getting absolutely obliterated. And, Joey, I'm going to drop you just a second because I want to play something for for Logan. Uh, we have a, a video here, and 
Um, and uh, again, this is Khalil Mack, and you probably already know what I'm about to show. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I mean, it it just seems like there's been a lot of this going on, and you know, I don't. I mean, he's just it's up two dudes right there. Uh, on the way to Matthew Stafford, he throws off a tight end and then just pushes your left tackle all the way back into Matthew Stafford. And, you know, the, let me assure you right now, we don't have a Khalil Mack on our defensive no, line. <laughs> so so I, I, I hope that uh, – yeah, yeah, I hope that makes you feel a, a little bit better. But, um, you know, one of the things that I do wonder is, you know, do you feel that, you know – Jim Bob Cooter or whoever, that the Lions are kind of dead on arrival if they're not able to defend, you know, Matthew Stafford against the better, more premier pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, and I will say on that, that play looks really bad, but there's another angle. So Taylor Decker's foot actually got stepped on by a rag now. So as Khalil Mack is starting to engage with him, you see – Decker's foot is getting stepped on and he can't move. So it's pretty much once he gets pushed, he can't backpedal and just gets plowed over. But in a microcosm, yes, that's been happening a lot where you see just weird plays or just miscommunications. There isn't, they're not playing as a congruent unit where they're all coming together. Uh, If it's, you know, four out of the five guys will pass block great for one play, but there's always one guy that ruins it for the entire line. And it's, I don't know what it is. Um, I, it's really tough to find an answer for of why all of a sudden they're so bad uh, along the offensive line. But um, I think it comes down to a few different factors that I've, I've already mentioned. Yeah. Understand. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Joe. I wanted to ask, was there, was, was Patricia your first choice? Uh, my first choice was actually Bruce Arians, but it didn't sound like he was going to go anywhere for health issues. But now right. he's, there's rumors floating around that he would be interested in, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns, Browns job. Yeah, uh, just that. with Patricia's, I mean, uh, Arians' aggressiveness, and he mm-hmm. likes the big arm quarterbacks and the receivers that we had pushing the ball down the field. I thought he would have been a great choice. Um, I always, it's very difficult to judge a a rookie head coach because not all great coordinators are great head coaches. It's very different. And then you also look at the Patriots tree. There hasn't been a ton of success under Belichick. It's like once they leave that system, all of a sudden they're just average guys. So he was my first choice just because I thought, uh, Quinn, our GM and Patricia would, uh, mesh well together and they would, you know, both have similar philosophies, but I can't say I was super enthused about Patricia coming into town, but I was also happy. Um, you know, I think Jim Caldwell, our previous coach, he had kind of peaked and we just couldn't get over that hump and we had to make a change. So I understand where they were coming from, but I, I don't know. I, I can't get too much into head coaches, especially ones that don't have any experience as a head coach, because you just never know what they're going to be. And sometimes it takes a couple years. Right. Right. 
All right. Okay. Uh, last last question. I know you got uh, a lot of stuff to do. We've held you for a long time. My question for you is this: Is at three and six, you guys are three games back. It's it's not unheard of, uh, even though you got stomped by the Bears to to try to to turn this around. What do you want to see out of the Vikings going forward? Not uh, maybe necessarily against the Panthers, but what would uh, kind of hearten you lift your spirits in many ways what would give you a little optimism about matt patricia and this in this team going forward in the totality of the season well realistically i'd just like to see a competitive game again it's been almost a month uh <laughs> you know if you include the bye week i well i guess the bye week was it was a while ago but yeah it's been almost a month just to see football where you don't want to turn the fourth quarter off like, it's very rare for me to ever just want to walk away. And that, I was already at that point in the Bears game in the second quarter when they were down 20, either 24 or 26 to nothing. And mm-hmm. it's, it was the third straight week. So I'm not expecting the Lions to turn around. They have a pretty tough schedule. They have the Panthers and the Rams after the, or uh, Panthers and the Bears. And then they have the Rams. You got the Vikings again. You got the Packers again. Um, those are all very difficult games. And I just want to see some progression because they've regressed so bad uh, just over the past month that you're starting to wonder if Patricia's even lost the team. And as a first year head coach, if there's, you know, veterans who are starting to doubt your brand new coach, you know, moving forward, how is that going to impact? Uh, you, you almost see it within Matthew Stafford and you can't really say it cause it's an intangible, but, you, you almost think he's almost given up or he's at the point where he's like, we're not going anywhere this year. You don't see him get fired up like he used to. Um, you know, he doesn't say anything to the media after games. I just really hope that uh, the Lions play well enough and Patricia can at least control this team where um, they do have hope for the future and they don't think that this team is just a lost cause. All right, fantastic wow. stuff. Logan Lamarandier. It's the tongue twistedest name in the history of the world. Logan, <laughs> tell them where they can find your work other than at Lions Lowdown or whatever. You said your stats guy. So what do we got to be working at? These stats must be the worst numbers, though, right now from you really seem bludgeoned right now. Oh, yeah, it, it hurts. Um, so I'm mostly active on Twitter uh, at it's at L and then Lamarandir, my last name, or you can find me at Lion Lowdown. Um, there's actually no S, so it's just Lion Lowdown. I know that's confusing sometimes. Or LionLowdown.com. Uh, i got the Facebook page, LionLowdown.com as well. If you want to hit me up there, um, I have a Detroit Lions. I have a personal Facebook page and a Lions Facebook page, uh, an individual Logan Lamarandier page. I had to separate the two. So, I, I mean, I'm all over the place. Instagram as well. But if you want to actually have conversations, usually it's going to be on Twitter. I try to respond and be active as much as I can on there. All right, man. Thanks a ton for joining the C3 Panthers podcast. Good luck. Not this week, but the following week. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Thanks, guys, for having me, and good luck after this week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Later, man. Well, I tell you what, guys, that is, I thought that my spirits were beaten. I thought I was would have been beaten down by by football this past Thursday, 
But I really, right now, I'm starting to think that the Browns are not the worst football story in football. Logan, those guys. It's the Lions. You can feel it, man. This is a heavy burden. This is a three-game losing streak that the Carolina Panthers are going in there. I feel like, boy, if we really do them dirty and beat them down, that's going to really cause some problems for some Detroit peoples. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I remember when I first got into football, you know, real, real heavy. I, I always knew that there were two teams that were always kind of the bottom feeders, and it was the Browns and it was the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and then I remember, you know, when they brought in Matthew Stafford, that was supposed to be the the, the turnaround point. And listen, we know about not putting. They've had a 13-win season or a 12-win season. I think that's the problem with that's so probably disheartening about the Jim Caldwell firing is that Jim Caldwell, in many ways, a question we've asked about Ron Rivera, where a lot of Panther fans have asked about Ron Rivera, and is that the is the seal in the roof? Yeah, I mean. Um... You know, I, I've never been the the biggest believer in Matthew Stafford personally, but I also know what it feels like to have a quarterback that's been underserviced by the GMs at, by not putting players around them. So yeah, I've even had to temper, you know, my expectations on Matthew Stafford and, and what he's able to do with the the tools around him. This is the first season. I believe that Matthew Stafford has had a uh, 100-yard rusher in a single Mm -hmm. football game with Carrion Johnson. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's asinine, but that's a a real thing. I wish we would have asked that with Logan while I was here because we talked about this last year with him. Reggie Bush, I believe, was the last one to do it, uh, to have a 100-yard game or maybe a 1,000-yard season, but it's been, like, impossible for them to establish a running game. It's tough, like you said, when you're playing down 26. We know what that feeling was last week. And in, in many ways, when you have an offensive line, guys, that is uh, average, mediocre, you can't play from behind. You just, no. especially when you're going against the team, that has a talented pass rush like we saw in Pittsburgh that can just send the speed. And that's what Mm -hmm. they were able to do is continually we were just in passing downs nonstop. And we really have no chance against that. And that's sad because you don't want to be a team that's one-dimensional and that only really can play from ahead. (laughs) But I think that these are some commonalities uh, across the NFL. One of the things that continued to strike me throughout that interview was a lot of what we heard have been a lot of the things that have handicapped the Carolina Panthers over the last few years in in those years that we have been down. The only thing I didn't hear him at that you want to, you could have made that a Panther team if you would have just said that the left, the left tackle was trash. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was really that case. So, Look, we're going ahead to play the uh, to the Lions. We want to encourage you guys to support the podcast. Smash the thumbs up button. Get involved in the cat calls. 252-228-5098. The Shadow Cat's going to drop a preview of that game in the next coming days. And you guys are going to be able to – we're going to look forward to the Lions 
And I, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's time to send uh, a... They are accustomed to severe depression. And uh, <laughs> they can handle this better than we can. I promise Very symptomatic of Detroit, huh? Yes. They can handle this better than we can. If we go in there and we lay a dud against Detroit, I tell you what, is that uh, I'm not going to be able to handle it. Those guys, they can get through it. My man's supporting his team like crazy, and they haven't been to the playoffs they haven't had a playoff win since 1991. That tells you one thing is, boy, you better be happy with a little bit of what you got, right? And Ron Rivera, I think, continues to be. You listen to these te- any team that loses, guys, the fan base says the same thing. And Logan wasn't doing this. I've been listening to some Logan uh, to some Lions podcast this week, and it's like, hey, we can't manage the play cut. Hey, our offensive quarter. It sounds like the same crap that we always say. Right. And let's continue to hear what Panther fans say. I think it's time to jump into the cat calls for this week. We got a lot and this show will never end if we don't get into them. This is where you can have your voice heard on the C3 Panthers podcast. The number is 252-228-5098. Let's jump into these calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like and a three and a four. And a- Who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? Hey. Boy, good, Dad. Man. <laughs> Worst game ever in history. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I've been here through one of fifteen. I've been here through two and fourteen. We've never had a game that fucking ugly. We've never had a game that fucking bad. We didn't have a stop on defense at all. Oh, I was like, oh, we made a field goal that time. And defense was fucking atrocious. It was horrible. I I I went from thinking this team had a chance, but I was right when I originally said this is like that thirty seven eight one, like yeah, it's one of those. This team has never been that bad. Ever in history. The team has never, for all you newbies and all you new fucking Carolina Panthers fans, it has never, we have never given up 52 fucking points. We have never gotten beat that bad. We have never done that bad ever in this our says It's the second time. Bad, but we just did. <laughs> all we needed I'm dogging Eric Washington, but the soft zone's got to go. We need to play man. We need to pressure because the front four can't go. Dude, our lone sack, I think, I think we had one sack. I think it was Peppers, which was a joke. <sighs> the worst game I've seen, like, you, 
Fuck last year, fuck the year before. Like, this is the worst game. Dude, I've been here since day one. Timbiaka Batuka and all this shit. And I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen it. Our defense did not stop them once. When our defense nope. did stop, it was when their fucking backup quarterback was in. The hell. A lot of people talk about Dante Jackson getting pissed off about that. Yeah, it was a touch, whatever. Well, I'm not <laughs> Dude, J Dub is at the bottom of the barrel on this one, dude. Like the bottom of the barrel. He would do this to me, man. I'm sitting here in the TTC talking trash in this circle for us pretty much by myself. So, look, this is going to keep going, folks. This uh, is uh, our boy J Dub coming in. By the way, he works at a sports bar. This call was posted at 3.58 a.m. Uh, to us. What? So he's back. He, so this is probably... Oh, that's, the de- that's the devil's hour right there, man. I'm going to tell you this. is that if I don't know if you guys... I'm probably not allowed to show this on uh, TV. Uh, on TV. Like we're on TV. But look, I just bit, <laughs> bought this nice bottle of whiskey because of... <laughs> because of this game. <laughs> I got it too, brother. I understand. And look, we're here for you. Here's the couch. We got to figure this out. You know, there's only one way to get out of a severe depression. A friend of mine told me this. A family member told me this. He said, what you need to do is take a fifth of liquor to the head and listen to an Otis Redding album. That will get you out of this. And the other way to get out of it is to be a part of the C3 podcast and to vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, myself just—he's in his feelings down in the trenches, down the front line, backing up this Panthers team. But when it comes down to it, I, I know more about this Panthers team than a lot of anyone who's in here listening right now. On this right now, like <laughs> he knows a lot about myself, the liquor man. too tonight. And then they do that and they lay a egg like that. What the hell, man? And the other people on this, like, well, the offense is all right, but the defense is still the shit. This defense fucking doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. All man, right, J Dub. We're going to have to dump you on this. We're dumping J Dub. It's just going to go too far and too long. Guys, but let's that is, do. That is- but I want I want to jump in real fast because I will say this, man. Listen, I love this football team. We all do. We wouldn't be doing a podcast about it on YouTube. But I know that hurt, man. I really do, man. I, the the pain I felt after the Super Bowl that will live with me forever, dude. And I mean that when I say that. So I, I do know what it's like when your emotions. They do go up and down with the football team, man. I mean, it, it gets bad and you feel it. But what I will say, though, is, man, the Patriots, you know the Patriots are going to be in, in in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, and they got blown out by the Titans. A lot of teams lost pretty big this past Sunday, man. So, I mean, listen, I honestly do believe that that was an anomaly, man. That was not the best Panthers football. That was not indicative 
of who the Carolina Panthers are as a football team. Now, yeah, if we have another performance like that, then, yeah, we have some real issues that we need to talk about. But Thursday night on the road in Pittsburgh, I'm just, I, I don't know, just I'm, I'm past it. I'm ready to move on. I know we're better than that. I know our team knows that they're better than that. That's all you have to do, man. Just lick your wounds and move on. You know, the, I mean, the key it's a, a short work week, okay? These guys had to turn around and get right back to it on Monday, and they lost the day of practice because they had to travel. So they didn't get their normal treatments in, so they were banged up. They didn't get the rest. They're tired. They didn't get a good game plan. Pittsburgh was at home. They got the extra day of practice. They... Um, you know, they were they were ready. They were ready for us and, and it we were not ready. We were not no. ready. I think and, here and a lot of it had to do with the short week. A lot of it had to do with that. Too, Joe, is that here this is where and this is where J Dub's emotion comes from. And while I bet you is this is that he may even be a caller later in the show for all we know, right? is that in that moment, what it is, is what it is, is that's a terrible way of phrasing it. You know, of course you want to look at the game first. This was a, such a beat down that it was there. It was hard to take anything away. If, if there was nothing to take away from this game, that was positive ultimately, except for maybe Christian McCaffrey and he, even him, he had struggles in pass coverage. So you could find something mm-hmm. there. So it was so bad. I think that's one thing. I think really, though, where the depths of that uh, call come from is sheer disappointment. Is that we can understand, I think, two days later, everybody understands that, hey, the season's not over. There's an opportunity for the Panthers that maybe this is not indicative of where we really are at. We don't believe it's indicative where we're really at. We do believe it asked uh, some begs some real questions about our offensive and de- offensive and defensive line. Specifically, the defensive line has just been the most underwhelming part of this team so far this season. So those are some questions that are significantly looming. But I truly, truly believe, Joey, is that we walked into that game going so on a on a high after that Tampa Bay game. And handling their offense, our defense playing well, and really feeling like this team was starting to gel. And the disappointment comes in that not only was that rug, the rug was just completely swept out from under us. So now what we got to do is the only thing that's really going to save J-Dub from that bottle is a win over the Lions. You know? I mean, other than that, is that we can't recover until we get a win. But you can see where this goes wrong. And I don't think we will be to the point where Logan was at. But I felt that Logan was defeated on this podcast. The poor guy felt defeated about his own team. And I think that there's a fear among Panther fans that that game may have exposed that our excitement despite what we think we believe is optimistic about some things, there are some really hamstrung weaknesses until we can pull it together. 
I gotta believe though that this defense, I gotta believe Luke Keekley can round up these guys. I gotta believe that KK is gonna make a difference. I gotta believe like he started the call. If we had a game change in safety, Eric Reed has made a contribution. I don't think the defense, but it was just all out of sorts, fellas. Yeah, and you know, I feel a lot of the hurt comes from we thought that Pittsburgh. I mean, that was going to be our statement. That was going to, mm-hmm. you know, on, on prime time, on, on prime time, the Saints are rolling over everyone. But don't forget the Panthers are here too, and we were ready to go in that game rolling after winning three in a row, and we just got slapped in the face, man. But Water. listen, at the start, yeah, oh. I, and. You know, at the start of the season, we never did a pick show. Uh, but we, we wanted to, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. But I had two games in my mind that I thought were going to be tough, and I had them as an L for us. It was that uh, in Atlanta, week two on the road, and then it was that Pittsburgh game. I thought, man, that's on Thursday night, that's going to be hell. And then you experience success. And it's like, man, we have a chance. And then, man, my 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 original intuition was right the whole time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it's not, it, it's not an indictment on who we are moving forward. It was a tough one, but you have to move past it, man. I mean, now the 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 going get rough and the rough get going, and that's where we need to be at mentally right now. I'm. Pretty sure, guys, that at some point in these calls that are to come, that there is going to be a lot of angst against um, Eric Washington. I want to go ahead and be on record that I've said from the beginning that I think that is that I'm, I don't know what he will be as a coordinator, but I don't think he's necessarily the problem at this point. Um, I think that let's not overreact and and think that by firing people that all of a sudden we make our team better. There are no guys in the waiting right now who can step in other than the head coach potentially. And why does he need to step in other than if he really could step in is why doesn't he just step into a non just like a non-title role and say, I'm taking over and we're not making a deal of it, everybody. And I'm going to be more of a mentor. So I'm not ready to go this, but maybe we should light a fire under Ron Rivera's ass. Not because I think that, you know what, I'm completely in keeping this coaching staff 100% entirely intact right now. I don't think making changes at this point in the season does anything but try to uh, do damage control with the fans. But uh, when it comes to lighting a fire under Ron Rivera's ass, anytime we say that Ron Rivera is about to get fired, his ass goes on a tear. So with Don Ron Rivera on the hot seat, the C3 podcast has put Ron Rivera on the hot seat. We have lit the Bunsen burner and your ass is on fire, bro. And that is really our code for, I hope your hair is on fire. That beautiful hair, Ron Rivera, go get these assholes, take over, get this rally, this team in the back end and show us that this is an anomaly, a blip on the radar and not Chernobyl. Here we go. 252-228-5098, the C3 Panthers podcast. Hey, guys. Chicago Kid here. Uh, man. Um, so I was so confident that uh, 
I just thought I would go to a bar where I knew there'd be a bunch of Steelers fans. Black and uh, yellow. Oh, I feel you, brother. Boy, this is how I kind of felt to be uh, Luckily, none of them came up and talked shit to me because I don't know that I was in a good place mind space <laughs> to make the right decision had that happened. I uh, but uh, <laughs> I need a little bit of a catharsis, I think, like a lot of us do, to digest what we saw. Um, and I even had to take notes as to what I was going to say when I called you guys. <laughs> That's how disorganized <laughs> I feel mentally. So I had to organize myself a little bit. Um, first and foremost, yeah, one of the most embarrassing things was that, that pick six that Cam threw. Yes, um, terrible. And I think a couple of things came into play with that. He didn't realize he was in the end zone until he looked down. You can actually see him go, oh, shit, I'm in the end zone. And then by the time he decided to throw it, he was falling to his right. And uh, it just it happened the way it happened. But his stats at the end of the game weren't bad. They were actually, if you just looked at it, they were good. Um, if you have him on your fantasy team, he did pretty well. Um, uh, going off of that, uh, we just, we were, we were just, yeah. We looked like we shouldn't have even been in the same league. It didn't look like we were playing the same sport as the Steelers, um, you know, the whole thing, you know, and everybody started falling apart, and it really looked like we didn't know what the hell we were doing, uh, and you saw a different side of the Panthers, I think, after the Eric Reed uh, thing. First of all, I thought all of it was ridiculous, and it seemed like Roethlisberger did too, like, hey, none of that was necessary. Um, you can kind of, to me, it looked like Eric Reed realized what was happening and kind of went for a little bit of a hop there at the end. But to be ejected for targeting when you hit the guy with a, a shoulder, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like Eric Reed gets the benefit of the doubt from the officials for whatever reason, question mark, question mark. Um, speaking of Eric, let's talk about Mr. Washington. Uh, the dude is not a coordinator. He's not. Mm. He's just not. I mean, he, he. And then it seemed like he was just like had a napkin with a crayon. Was like, yeah, let's put peppers in coverage. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he made a play, but it was like, you know, shit. Julius Peppers. I know I'm gonna run out of time here, so I'm gonna call you guys back. Um, on top of that, I think it really comes down to something we've seen. Here, look, he's probably got a second call here. Let me cue it up. Make sure I got it ready. Should have it queued up. Told you I was going to run out of time. <laughs> so anyway, let me get his last slide, brother. Uh, yeah, Eric man. Washington. He's obviously not a coordinator. I agree with you guys that we have the talent. Uh, I don't believe we have the chemistry because – how can you have chemistry when, I mean, that's like a chemist saying you're a chemist when you're like, all right, so if I pour this blue liquid in with this green liquid, then I've got the cure for cancer. I mean, that's not how it works. Like you got to know what you're doing. And Eric Washington does not know what he's doing. Um, but yeah, playing, paying peppers in, in, uh, in coverage, uh, you know, I don't know what our plan was. But we were just outclassed, just up, down, left, right. Um, and I think it goes back to 
something that I feel like as a lifelong Panthers fan, we've dealt with a couple years, uh, really since our Super Bowl season. What is our identity outside of Cam and and Luke? Like, what is our identity? You know, are we are we a consistent like defensive juggernaut team? Are we an offensive juggernaut like we were in 2015? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I I just always have this nagging thing. At least there's some games this nagging thing in the back of my head where I'm like, you know, I don't know that we can we can beat this team. But, you know, we need to figure out what we're doing. We need to figure out if we can actually – if we can play in this in this league, uh, in this division. I mean, we the Saints just picked up Des Bryant. So, holy shit. That's all we needed was Breeze. Um, anyway, long story short, <laughs> the, whole, the whole message behind keep pounding is we got to – we got to take, take our legs and get back up. Um but we can we can sure as hell bitch about it right now. Keep pounding, guys. Great job. Talk to him. All right. So again, yeah, man. Like chemistry. You got to wonder, and I I think this, guys, is that maybe chemistry is to me the thing that sticks out about this is something's not right here when it comes to the way our players are playing. One is KK Short has been completely swallowed up. We thought that he was going to be uh, freed up by the addition of Don Terry Poe. To me, though, and I don't know enough about the X's and O's to watch it each and every down to know if he's if he's doing what he's supposed to be or not. But I got to say is that I've been underwhelmed by Shaq Thompson's performance this season. I had hope I, I had hoped so much that he was going to step into this large role where we were going to go, hey, TD is a luxury. But now you saw even this. You come back. We were excited to have TD back. And in that play, uh, the reverse, they ran a reverse against us. Uh, is Mario Addison bites on the running back. He probably, he's got to mm-hmm. hold that a little bit more. And uh, the eyes of the rest of the defense are going left. You know, we do this against the team. I felt like Luke Keekley saw what was going on. He turns to run right. And then runs right into Thomas Davis, you know, and Thomas Davis completely is going left. And you got to wonder, is Thomas Davis showing signs of age? He's not getting home on the blitzes like it is. Is he having to catch up to game speed? But where is Shaq Thompson? I thought Shaq Thompson and Luke Keekley were going to be just game changers. And Luke Keekley has been not the best Luke Keekley we've seen. And it just doesn't look out of sorts. Joey, am I where do you feel like are you is there any particular player that you're underwhelmed with with defense? Um man, I I I see what you're saying about Shaq Thompson. You just thought you would hear his name more. Yeah, because that's he's it. making play. Right, and you're not. So you don't know that he's not doing well. You just know he's not making plays because you don't hear him, you know, hear him being called. Um, I don't know that it's one specific player because, like you said, there's Shaq Thompson, there's uh, TD. He looks slow, 
And you know, oh yeah, we said Luke. This hasn't been the same player he's been in years past. Um, and you turn around and look at the defensive line and they're not the, the dominating force we thought they would be. Um, so it, it's really everywhere. The defense as a whole has just not been what we're used to when we talk about Carolina Panthers defense. And it makes a difference. Um, you know, it makes a big difference. So I, I think that's really the answer is what can we do with who we have to make it better? And we're looking at Eric Washington, an inexperienced coordinator, very inexperienced. And I, I think, I, I don't know. If it's not happening, it needs to. I need to step in and be a little more involved because um, Washington just doesn't have the years under his belt. And that's um, not a bad and, and really, it's not a It's not a knock all the time. You know, it's... No, it's, 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 it's a some, fact. Yeah. It's a exactly. fact. It's not his fault. It's just a fact. You see, you, you know, heard you heard Logan talk about the coaching tree that struggled um, going yes. forward. You know, is that the Rivera tree hasn't necessarily proven themselves just yet. But I got to say, the best comment so far in the YouTube chat room was by Camille Walker. Can you stop showing the replay of Big Ben standing still as he mindlessly mindlessly throws it for twenty yards to Antonio Bryant? Is gosh, that is painful to watch, isn't it? But she did go on to Camille Walker said McDermott will get fired and come back. That's that coaching tree thing. Cody, as as we reflect on Chicago Kids call, where what where do you stand? He brought a lot to the table on that call. He calls out uh, Eric Washington as a straight up coordinator, as not a coordinator, as a assistant coordinator. Right. He also uh, talks about Cam Newton being the only identity of this team. Where we go, where, where do you reflect on Chicago Kids Ball? Lock you up in Yeah, I mean, I do find it interesting, um, and uh, you know, it, it is a good question to pose. Uh, what is the identity of the Carolina Panthers? I mean, that is a good thing to bring up and think about. I mean, uh, our uh, I would say traditionally. And someone even said it in the chat is play defense and run the football. And, you know, I, I feel our defense for a long time has been this vaunted defense and a good front seven that, that never had a true dominant pass rusher. K1 Short has probably been the closest thing that we've had. If you're not counting, say, Greg Hardy in 2013, um, you know, but I, I feel as though a stalwart defense has been our who we are and then running the football. But it changes so much. You look at what Patrick Mahomes is doing, Jared Goff, all these teams putting up these insane numbers, and you have to be able to evolve. And I feel, uh, you know, right now we're at the point in the NFL where offense is the name of the game, 
and our defense isn't hasn't proven to be able to handle that. Now, and I know all of the cat calls tonight, they're based off of the Pittsburgh loss. So we're all kind of feeling, you know, using that as what we're basing it off of. But I, I do feel that there, there have been performances this year where you have seen what this team is capable of doing, and there lies our identity. If you look at what we did um, against Baltimore, I mean, that was a, a sound performance. And we know that we have it in us to be able to do that. The number one defense at the time. Yeah, my my only worry. Yeah, let me just say this. The uh, the, the only thing I say, and it's my last point about it, is that I'm worried that we have been um, exposed on the left side of our offensive line that speed rushers. It doesn't matter if it's Matt Khalil or Clark, that they're just going to feast on that left side mm-hmm. of the football. Um, I'm I'm worried about that. Well, yeah, is uh, speed. You know, it's it's tough to deal with that. Those guys are probably a little bit better to deal with the power dudes, or at least not Matt Khalil. He's not he's not set to deal with anybody. Doesn't matter what you throw at him. I. I think the when it comes to the identity of the team, I feel like I've said this for a couple of weeks going back, is that really where we're struggling with is that this team is not winning the way we're accustomed to seeing them winning. And not that we're not happy that the offense is looking more explosive and dynamic. Of Certainly, we have been begging for these moments for so long. But I think truly where I get most... Like I'm just, it's just a kick in the nads, guys. Is when teams run the ball on us, and um, that we went into that Pittsburgh Steelers game as the 11th best defense in the league. At least that's the stat that Fox Sports put up as their, you know, Joe Buck's calling it. I don't really feel like we've been to that point, and I just really, truly am just demoralized. I mean, I understand. Look, when James Bradbury gave up that play, that's a busted play. Like, you know, you, you know, this guy made a bad play yeah. and it just, it was awful. And it led to seven points. I can put that in the past, but I cannot. The one thing I just can't get used to seeing is James Conner run through a lane that's the size of the damn Red Sea against a team that knows the run plays coming. I'm just not comfortable with that, as in, why are the Carolina Panthers fine if we can't stop, the, if we can't get to the quarterback? So what? Well, yes. I mean, that's a terrible thing. We're used to getting a quarterback. But yeah. we're not used to the run being the problem where we're having trouble stopping it. And we did not look. I feel like the players, and maybe that does come down to Eric Washington, which I'm trying in all of my effort to defend him. But I feel like the players have just really blown it, man. And they've missed assignments. They've gotten swallowed up. And maybe we should give some more credit to the opposing team. But uh, the number's 252-228-5098. Let's pound through these calls and get this show over with. C3, this is Ryan from San Diego. What's up, Ryan? I called and said I wasn't mad at the game until I checked the game after the game was over and saw that Pittsburgh put 52 on us. I was also partially distracted with my six-month-old, my two-year-old, and my six-year-old. 
So, now that Daddy Daycare is no longer talking, I woke up this morning and realized I was extremely pissed off. For a team that aspires to win a Super Bowl, to allow 52 points defensively, or 45, regardless, to allow Pittsburgh to do what they did against us is absolutely unacceptable. And somebody does need to get fired. This is week 10 in the NFL, week 9 in the NFL, whatever it is. Somebody needs to lose their job. Tony, I hate to say it, Barrett Washington is trash. And I hope he gets fired. And I hope the whole defense gets fired. I hope McDermott gets fired. Wilkes gets fired. <laughs> I'll hope he gets fired so we reunite a defensive unit that is actually capable of being high-octane offenses because this defense is – we have been suspect all year and taken – advantage of the fact that we've played guys like Brian Fitzpatrick, Joe Flacco, and under other underwhelming quarterbacks. Offensively, I'm not going to freak out too much because North Turner and Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey are masking a lot of our deficiencies on offense. One of the reasons we probably can't attack deep is because our offense can't hold the line long enough for Cam Newton to get the ball deep. We might be able to get a few plays here and there, but I wholeheartedly believe that Cam Newton and North Turner are not confident enough in this offensive line to push the ball downfield. Um, yeah. Our offensive line and defensive line got exposed. And I really believe the reason now that we signed C.J. Anderson is because Marty Herney wasn't 100% sold on Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and or Caminara's pain. We got a lot. <laughs> this team is now under a microscope under David Tepper. I do believe we'll still make the playoffs, but we had two major issues exposed on Thursday night. So hopefully we get this thing turned around in the near future, but I believe our defense is going to need an overhaul, starting with the coaching staff. Love the show. And we will go ahead and take over, guys. Yeah, Joey, that, I, I wanna, I wanna sort of pitch this to you, my man. I mean, listen, you're reading the chat just like I am. You know, you read Twitter. Everyone's so pissed off at Eric Washington, and I understand, and I, we both understand. And, and you know, I even said earlier, I don't remember if you were on uh, at, at this point. But, you know, all right, let's say we gave into that fervor and you fire Eric Washington. I mean, who do you bring in at this juncture of the ball game, you know, with, with the season over halfway over? Who's out there that you sign that's, all right, hey, you're the defensive coordinator now? Or who in the organization, by the way, we have a brand-new secondary coach, a brand-new brand linebacker coach. There's a bunch of new coaches all around our defense so you're not promoting anyone. I mean, who would you even bring in at this point in the game and say, all right, you're in control of the defense, fix everything? There is nobody you can, that you can ask to do that. No. You can't. That, that, that would be foolish, frankly. I think that would be a rash. Is the only guy. 
you would have to ask the head coach to be that guy because you can't promote, promote coach. You're gonna okay. promote a Brady Hoke who's been with the team for eight seconds and who has been coaching the defensive line that's just been hot garbage, really. You're gonna promote um a secondaries coach that was a linebackers coach. Like we don't even know who the assistants are. And I do I, I'm I'm not trying to defend Eric Washington on that front because I don't think that look is that it, as a manager as a supervisor you got to deal with whoever you got underneath you and you better Thank make you. up for their deficiencies when they aren't doing it but at the same time uh i don't know if necessarily is that look is that a lot of people in the comments have said hey the panthers have just blown they missed tackles it has been uh, it's been so many errors and i think that's what was so disheartening about the steelers effort if you go back and look at when you want to talk about the offensive line let's for instance talk about the offensive line is in the past and i said this in the post game show is that we could have just said it's matt khalil matt khalil he's a problem or it's byron bell byron bell or whoever was playing right tackle or whoever was subbing at center but it was on every play a different person getting beat down and it showed you that the problems that the unit was having, and I really think that the three-four defense just sends us into fits. That first that play where Cam Newton throws the interception, and if you cue that back up, Cody, where he throws the interception from his own t- the pick six, is that if you look at this, it is a one hundred. You're on the twelve yard line. It's a 100% free release for homeboy. Like, you know what? Is that that whole play design, whatever that was, nobody was accounting for him coming. Everybody thought he would bite on the run. There was no... What, what could The only thing, and look, I am very critical on Cam on this play because I think Cam made a terrible decision. I think he had uh-huh. an opportunity. I thought he could have thrown it at Greg Olson's feet, throw it at the uh-huh. ground right at his feet, but maybe that's not uh, past the line of scrimmage. Maybe he knew better than I did because that still doesn't get the ball past the line of scrimmage. But, you no, know, is that – You take that, that safety. I say yeah. you take the safety. Take the shot. You don't throw the ball up in the air all willy-nilly. You right. take the sack and you punt the ball and make your, make them go, you know, 50 yards or 70 yards. You know, they give them a touchdown. That's what he did. It's just, yeah, it was so many levels. Failure on so many levels there is that it's a terrible play call yeah. for that scenario against that defense. It's a per- terrible decision by Cam Newton. And it's really an impossible situation to put yourself in. A free release from a, a guy that is a it, – it just it, – it's impossible. What were we thinking there? That I put on – I put that one on North Turner and Cam Newton together because that's not the offensive line, not blocking. There was nobody there to block. Right. And see, but this is what I was saying, though. You know, we're, we're talking about it right now. And me and Brandon Herbert had a whole back and forth about it on Twitter. And listen, I'm not saying that Cam Newton made the best decision, but you know we're we're hashing it out right now. 
But now imagine making the decision on what you need to do, and you only have three seconds to do it. I mean, you're trying right. to make a play. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not I'm not going to absolutely jump down Cam Newton's throat for that play because, one, it was a bad design. T.J. Watt, uh, J.J.'s younger brother, is probably the most athletic defensive lineman uh, that their team has, super fast, super strong. And do you leave no one out there to block him? You know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're taught to – I mean, I, I kind of believe that, you know, as Cam was being taken down – the, you know, he threw the ball, maybe expecting the ball to go a little further than it did, and it just didn't. I don't know. It was a bad play by everyone on the play caller as well. But I don't know, man. That that was that was on – it was on everyone. You look at their two defense and Watt's little brother and Bud Dupree, those guys are getting after it. And I tell you, if anything is compliments to them on that, kudos to them on that. But I don't feel like we had that on our side. Like, where is our guy that is relentlessly getting after it? And I am not going to take any negative talk about Julius Peppers on this podcast, period. Because if you ask him to be that guy, that's just the worst damn it's just too much to ask of Julius Peppers at this point. He should have been a third down rusher. We don't have an answer right now at this moment. And 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 I don't think just calling blitzes, I think that masks the problem. It might put a Band-Aid on it. But at the same time, we mm-hmm. got to get some pressure up the middle. We've had this problem all year, man. We've just been scheming ways of covering it. You know what I'm saying? The coaches have come up with things that we can do to kind of hide it or, or you know, take the attention off of it. But we're, we're you know, over halfway into the season, and now teams, they got film on us. They know what we're doing. They know our tendencies. They can, you know, see things that will give them keys. So... um these problems, the potential for these problems to get bigger is there. You know, this is the point in time where now North has to dig deeper into that playbook and bring out some new material. So these teams have, you know, have to go back and start looking at film and start looking at new things because, um, yeah, they're like you said. They know that over on that left side, they get a defender over there, and they've got the edge. All right. Um, so you know, this is on coaching now. At this point in the year, it's on coaching. We need well, to yeah, see yeah. That's a good point, Joey. Is you have no other way at this point in the season. You know, what I'm saying there's like the only way to improve at this point. You have the roster you have. You right. know, is that all exactly. going to get speed on the edge? You're not going to get whatever. So you're going to have to continue to learn your own team better than the opponent learns your own team. I do think we just had a I, – I think when I, when I look at it now and I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers team, I don't think we match up well against them. Yeah, uh, but you know what another problem is that, that, that we don't say enough? All right, so look, Vernon Butler, Starla Tulele, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Hall, 
Marcus Haynes. You know, I, I'm naming off a bunch of a, pl- a bunch of players that we drafted, and they don't produce on our defensive line. We haven't drafted defensive line well, and it's going to be something Coney that Healy. we're going to have to. Coney Healy out there. Coney Ely's out there too. Yeah, oh, by the way, this guy cut. yeah, he just got cut today by the Raiders. So uh, yeah, we, have, we have not drafted the defensive line, but we have to be able to do better. Kevin Short, that was pretty much the one and only one that turned into, um, you know, a, a real piece of our defense that that means something. We have to draft defensive line better. Oh gosh, I don't even know what Brandon's talking about. But all right, let's keep going. Sorry, my call. Uh, or interrupt you, anyway. I do think uh, we'll, we will, you know, destroy Detroit or whoever it is that we're playing next week. But offensively, I think the thing that we need to start considering or even doing is um, not converting Christian McCaffrey to the slot because uh, he's obviously a dynamic runner in the run game. But you know, if we have CJ Anderson sitting on the bench, oh, not anymore. Not anymore. Nominal third down blocker. So why don't we just put? That's a good point, though. Everybody, uh, you know who was asking this position to create separations because he is hands down our best wide receiver. Hands down, it's not even close. It's crazy when your running back is leading your team and receiving and your quarterback is set on a team and rushing. That just shows how underwhelming our receiving core is. Um, but yeah, I think that's what we need to do on offense is create a little bit more mismatches in the receiving game by having Christian McCaffrey out there stretching the field because I believe he can do it. I believe he can run deep. I believe he can open the field up in the middle. He can do lots of things in the receiving game while we still have production on the ground with C.J. Anderson. That's just my thoughts on offense. Appreciate you guys. Well, right now, um, 100% of the people on the Facebook poll saying that Eric Washington is the problem. And two, is that if we look at that comment, you know what is that you just got cut from the C3 podcast because you brought up the same thing that CJ Anderson brought up and it got him cut from the Carolina Panthers. Is holy <laughs> cat. Why are you not trying to move Chris? And I think this would be a great way to lessen the the physical toll on Christian McCaffrey and to continue to use him in diverse ways is to start to use him a little bit more like we did in his rookie year at this point. You have shown that you can be that threat, but at the same time, you can really look at how much we struggled when uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers put five wide on us. You know, like we couldn't do anything against it at that same point. Now, I know you don't want to have, uh, you want to have somebody chipping or doing something when we do it with our offensive line. But again, this comes down to is that, that CJ Anderson obviously was so frustrated by not even getting a nod, a tip of the cap, 
does there there seems to be a lot of validity to that comment of why aren't we using christian mccaffrey in different ways to either protect him or to throw a wrinkle into the against other defenses joey i'll let you start with that real quick uh you know i i asked myself that i remember a time when we had razzle dazzle or thunder and lightning or uh you know Whatever you want to call it, but punch. And, um, it worked well. It really did work well. I don't know what the hesitation was. The only thing I can imagine is Peter Henderson is not the explosive, dynamic player that Chris McCaffrey is. And, and nor, I don't know what the hesitancy was to, to bring him in. To bring in, it had to be uh, personality, uh, Joe. It had to be personality. Uh, it had to be something. It can't be play on the field. It has to be something going on with his fit in the meetings, with his fit in the organization. And, I, I, and okay, I people, okay, I hear what you're saying. I do hear what you're saying. But then, why hold him? Why keep him on the roster for half the season? You know, what I'm saying if it was a bad fit. Why didn't they just cut him in the in the regular, you know, in the well, trade preseason? Him. Trade him for a seventh. Right, trade him or for trade him. For him. Somebody would have offered you a six-round pick or something. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't, you know, I, I don't see where that argument holds water. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I don't I don't know why they didn't use him. 24 touches in eight games or nine games he had, and never really had a chance to get in any rhythm. You know, he'd come in, run the ball, he'd come in and block. But that's it. I, I saw it in the eye formation with Arma, you know, a couple of times. That's what they should have done with Anderson. Brought him yeah. in for like a, a physical, you know, set of plays where, you know, Cam kept on just and I, you know? I absolutely think you're right, Joey, and this is where I point to the moment. I think I know the moment that things went sour. At least I hope it's the moment because I feel like I've been saying that. The Baltimore game, we had things wrapped up. We had it wrapped up in the last five minutes of that game, and what are you doing? You're running Christian McCaffrey up the middle to run the clock down. Why don't you give CJ right. some carry there to just take a little load off of Christian McCaffrey to throw a little, uh, a, you know, it might be a chicken bone that you ate most of the meat off, but there's still a little gristle on it. Give it the dang CJ Anderson over there is that it, it, it seemed like there has to be there. What I just have to believe is this is either that our coaching staff can let guys' personalities get to them. And maybe Ron Rivera is that guy. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But I just feel like this is I don't feel like North at this point has shown us that his propensity is to not to do these things. So what the hell is going on? It is a bizarre situation. I think it's so bizarre to the fact is, is that now, is there any credence to this? Is that Denver let him go? Carolina let him go. He's whined about the whole process. 
could it be that CJ Anderson is a crybaby? Well, listen. No, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But what I was going to say is that, listen, I, I see this a lot online. Is it, oh, it was CJ, you know? Listen, you know, if, you, if you're a football player, you want to play football. And, you know, you were brought into this team to, to contribute to the football team. And, you know, now he was – I mean, I'm kind of on his side. It's like, what did you bring me in for if you're going to let mm-hmm. the fullback get just as many touches as, as me? And, by the way, if he wants to play next year, now whatever team he goes to next is going to look at, oh, well, okay, you didn't get very many snaps over there in Carolina. Why is that? You know, and then if you feel – you know, the, the, the coaches aren't giving you enough reps. I mean, it's almost like they're throwing you under the bus. And then you're supposed to sit there and be like, oh, yes, sir, I'll just sit here and eat my M&Ms while everyone else gets carries that I'm not going to get and might end up hurting my career, you know? Yeah, I, I'm not mm-hmm. – I, I don't mind when a player is pounding the table and say, yeah, put the ball in my hands. They believe in themselves. And, you know, uh, another thing was – and Tony, you alluded to it in pass blocking, dude. The Steelers ate Christian alive, and uh, Anderson's oh, yeah. been one yeah. of the yeah. Anderson's been one of the best pass blocking backs in the NFL for a while now. So if you if you're down that much and you know you have to throw the football, put him in the let Cam have an extra five seconds to throw the ball. They don't That's even do that, man. McCaffrey in the slot in that region. You don't lose yeah. McCaffrey. You don't lose right. him. That's why I'm on CJ Anderson's side. I feel our coaches. I, I watched watch Chris. I broadcast um, yesterday. And in that, he was talking about the CJ Anderson move. And he said, never heard him cry. He never heard him whine or complain. He never heard him do it. Now, that's not to say he didn't do it, but you know Chris is around that team a bunch. And he never once heard him mention anything about getting in there and playing. So I'm, I'm bewildered. They had to tell him when they brought him in, hey, you're going to get time. You know, you're going to be a part of this. We need you. That's why he came here on a one-year deal, to prove it. But he didn't get a chance to prove it. He didn't get a chance to get on the dang field. Well, you say I, I mean, I'm bewildered. Say that again? That who, were you referring to Chris Jenkins? Is that what you're talking about? Isn't that what I said? No, uh, yeah. If I, I didn't, I, that's what I meant. I, I, missed it. No, I just missed it. I just missed it. All right. Oh, so yeah. Charlotte, it was Chris uh, Jenkins. Yeah, check out uh, our boy, Charlotte Vibe, Chris Jenkins. Uh, he's been doing work. He's always been the local guy on the ground, uh, bringing you those types of takes and, and that access to the players. is uh, At the very worst, you could say that CJ had some disgruntled tweets at the very worst, I guess. I heard that, yes. Is is our coaching staff and and I don't think Marty Herney is that fickle, you know, to the point where that that is going to be that upsetting to them. The one thing that still I just cannot fathom here is who care if it's fit, who cares if you're crying in the meetings, 
like I feel like North Turner's got enough to enough clout to shut anybody up in this league. Why 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 release a healthy player? Yeah, That's we're not a better team for it. Yeah, we're definitely just, not a better team for it. No, we're, 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 no, we're no. Do what you did to Cameron Artist Payne. Do what you did right. to give just not give him a hat. You want to tell you that? Is go cry on Twitter. You don't have a hat. You're getting paid. Shut up. And we'll we'll use you when we need you. And when we need you, you're going to play your hardest because you're going to want to get paid again. So, I mean, the NFL, these teams have all of the advantage. Unless the Carolina Panthers really I, – I just can't – I just don't get this. The whole idea, like, they're doing them a favor to go get a chance with another team. I don't believe that that's the case. Let's keep pounding with these calls. We've got a couple more to go. Hey, I was goofing around last week when I called and I said Vern Butler was doing great. Um, I called it right after and said it was a joke. So, I don't know. Watching last week's podcast is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, we missed the – sometimes when I see the the calls that are less than, like, five seconds or six seconds, I just assume that they're bad calls. So my man called up and said that Vernon Butler was doing great and then called back and said, yeah, I'm just joking. Uh, So Vernon Butler, again, what we're looking at now, and then this is where I get, uh, I was a huge Dave Gettleman fan. I think he did some important things for this organization. But I tell you what, if you look at this, Kelvin Benjamin, Shaq Thompson, Vernon Butler, first-round draft picks were not necessarily overwhelmed. Yeah, I can do the same thing with Marty Herney, though, and show you a bunch of dudes. You can in the first round. I swear to God, Marty Herney does not miss in the first round, brother. I promise you. Go back through the ranks. Mug, who did he draft? Luke Keekley. Who did he draft? I think he uh, missed the Everett Brown. Second right, round. But that's he didn't have there's the first a, round. But, but there's a bunch of rounds, and you have to win them all. And, like, see, this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying Dave was the best, but I'm saying I can also name a bunch of really good players that, that Dave Gellerman did put on the team. Christian McCaffrey is one of them. Curtis Samuel is one of them. Andrew Norwell was one of them. Taylor like Moore was one of them. He was forced. He was forced to put Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey on that. He didn't want to do that. What? How do you know that? Though? How about this? How about this? Let's get, man, and we could get into this fight. We're going to do it another night. Yeah, let's not. Let's get on with these homes. All right. <laughs> hey, what's up, C3, man? I'm a big fan. I've been listening to y'all about five, six weeks now. You know, I'm just getting hit to the podcast stuff. So, y'all, y'all talking to real interesting thoughts. So, let's get to it. I got a question. What do you think about uh, Dr. Pierce and uh, DJ Moore? I think about three years. If he come up to high school, I think he could be a, a new Golden Tate. What y'all think about that? And I also have a question about this. What y'all think about the Eric Washington? It's third down and two. And he's saying yeah, we played it a billion times. That's so confusing to me, especially like, what would you gonna stop if they ran the ball? Would you be able to stop that with two rushers? So I didn't understand that. But I'm not gonna put too much blame on Aaron Washington because, like, I heard somebody say, we we all run it through defense coordinator. So 
if, if that was the offense coordinator, we would see some hiccups. So we do got to be kind of patient, but we all keep talking about Ron Rivera needs to become the defense coordinator. How do we know Ron Rivera any good at calling defense plays, really? I might be wrong, but I don't know. If he was calling them that when he first started, when Cam Newton got drafted, I don't think our defense is that good. You know what I mean? So maybe Ron Rivera's not driving right. the defense because he knows there might not be no difference. And then now he's full goal as a head coach, maybe. That's just my opinion, maybe. Whoa. He's a monster. Shots fired. He's a monster, but I think we, we kept him slack about his pass protection because he is really slacking on that pass protection. And nobody's really talking about it. We all make excuses. Oh, Chris McCaffrey running up against a deep tackle or a middle linebacker. He's supposed to. That's what running backs are for. And like I said, it is what it is. Maybe he is too small to do that. But like I said, he needs to be in the game. But like I said, he got to work on that pass block. He can't just always try to cut cut somebody that's coming free. Everybody knows Chris McCaffrey's going to pick the leg. Landon Collins did that. True that. Yeah, through that interception, second interception against right. the, the Giants game. Christian Chaffee looked at. This is um, the call of the night. With Landon Collins. So I think yeah. I, I thought about that. And uh, I got another question about the Luke Keithley. Do you think that all these concussions is, is taking steps off his, his career? Yes. We all, we all noticed that he's, he's you know, slowing down a little bit. Maybe could because of all these concussions. Maybe. Who knows? Yes. And that's, that's really about, about it right now, man. You know, what a call. Enjoy what listening to y'all. Man. Have a great week. This is call yeah. of the night, guys. Call of the night right there. Starting off, if DJ Moore is Golden Tate, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, he yeah I think we're all that. hoping for more. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. He he does need to work on, on, on the route running, and that's the only thing that I do try and, like, be realistic about, you know, his route running, if you watch the tape, he doesn't get low enough on his breaks. But listen, that's mm-hmm. something that I do think you're going to see him get better at in time. I mean, but once he does get better, then yeah, I do think that he is going to be one of the better top tier receivers in the NFL. I mean, you don't spend a first round draft pick on Golden Tate, in my opinion, based off of what you've seen him do in the NFL. So I have I a lot more high hopes than that. I think. I think the the comparison to Golden Tate is is that Golden Tate has is a threat after the catch a lot, and I yeah. think that DJ, I think DJ Moore can be the better gold, like far better. I really do. Is that if he and maybe I've just always been down on Golden Tate and just been like, ah, oh, he's a pretty good player. Maybe I haven't given him the the props that he deserves, but I want I want DJ Moore to be more. And Golden Tate, but going to this to me, the interesting point here is Ron Rivera really that great of a defensive coach? Holy cow! Ron Rivera made his bones in uh, that Chicago Bears defense that we had to play back when Smitty was doing great things. 2004, he became the coordinator for the Chicago Bears. In 2005, the Bears had the second best defense in the NFL. But they also had an un um, uh, like an absurd amount of talent on that defense. Mm-hmm. That was a great defense. He goes to the Chargers. The Chargers, if you remember, under Norv Turner, were a team that had a fantastic offense, but not especially the great 
defense there. One of the notable things that Ron Rivera was able to do was switch his entire scheme from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 with the Chargers because of the talent. So that does show some flexibility. But interesting question, and I think he's putting Ron Rivera on blast. And I'll start with you, Jody. Jody, Joey, you're the old hat of the five. I've had a couple of 1792s. I'm deep in this. But, Joey, you're the old hat here. Is Ron Rivera scared to be our defensive coordinator? No, I, I don't think he's scared at all. I think he um, he's more than capable of doing the job. I do think he is trying to let his defensive coordinator figure this out. I think he's trying to let him grow. And you know the only way you can have growth is off of failure. And That's true. I think he, he's struggling. Is not the answer. No, no way, no way. I think he's he is. You know, I'm sure he's always willing to give him advice and and point him in the right direction. But you know, if this guy is going to become a coordinator, he's got to do it on his own. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If he's really going to lay claim to the title. He's got to go there and earn it. If he doesn't get the job done, I bet you he won't be back next year. Or yeah, he'll I be back coaching the defensive line. I think one other point to mention is that we have a veteran defense, despite uh, having some young secondary players. Mm-hmm. We do have a veteran We're defense. If, if KK is the youngin' on that group, and Poe is the second youngest on that group. Addis, you don't you don't need those old guys don't need the same coddling in some right. ways. So I don't know right. if this is necessarily Washington not teaching them enough. Is that it just hasn't come together. Now, Cody, I'm gonna turn this to the last part of that call because that was the call of the night, in my opinion. There, Christian McCaffrey struggling on the pass protection, going after the legs. You saw. It's so true. Is my man? He, he's got to go dive at it. Uh, call of the night, don't you think, Cody? I really do, man. I I, I really do, uh, and I, I love it. It seems every you know every Tuesday, even every Sunday, whenever we do the post game show, we have more and more cat calls, and they bring a new look to the show. I love it. Continue to bring them on. Um, But listen, I kind of want to say what I said earlier, though. Listen, this was a bad football game. I'm not telling any of you something you don't know. Nobody played well, okay? No one on our team played well. You can't – I mean, even Christian McCaffrey for having three touchdowns, he had a lot of stuff that that went – that did not go his way. So what I do want to say, though, is Christian McCaffrey, if you look at this entire season – hasn't been terrible in pass protection. He's actually played a little bit better than I think we ever would have hoped that he would have played for someone his size. He's just had a bad football game, and that happens sometimes. But, yeah, I do think that it is on coaching when you know that you have a better pass protecting running back in C.J. Anderson and you choose not to play him when you see Christian on the field just absolutely being bullied around yeah that's that's kind of on them um but i i do think that this if you looked at just this football game you would think that christian's one of 
one of the worst pass-protecting running backs in the NFL. But he has played pretty well doing that this season, though. So I don't want to judge him based off of just this performance. All right, let's pound out these last couple calls. Hey, guys, this is Mel calling. Uh, I've pretty much purged that game from my memory uh, for the most part. Uh, just Perfect. That's what you should do. out of my uh, memory with uh, a lot of gin. But uh, I guess the question that's been going through my mind was, was this game a fluke or what is it indicative to the flaws that we have as a team? Um, Great call. And I guess the other question I had is, with our um, offensive line being as porous as they they were given Steelers, does that leave room for Matt Khalil to make a comeback? Uh, we've been praising our offensive line all year without Matt Khalil and hoping that he kind of stays on the sideline. Now I feel like Ron might be looking at the offensive line and thinking, oh, well, maybe we need Matt Khalil. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Keep on, guys. Have a great call. Jump in there, Cody. Uh, I don't uh, yeah, think it's man, the, the tailspin yet. I don't think we're there at the tailspin yet, but I do believe – well, you know, is I don't think I'm, – I'm ready to just say this is a blip. This team is way better. With Cam Newton, we are always in it. I think we got an offense that is more talented than we've ever had. But, boy, damn it, this defense, and I'm asking you, Leak. Oh, and that was the question back from the other call that I didn't – that we didn't address is Luke Keekley making business decisions. And that's actually the worst way of putting it because I don't think that he's doing it for the business of playing. Is there some concern in the way that Luke Keekley has played the game in the past that he has changed or at least altered in the way I might believe in this is I haven't seen evidence that contradicts that. Well, I don't know if I would say, I mean, it's tough. I mean, Luke this season, probably hasn't played to what we have seen him capable of doing in the past. But that middle linebacker lives on what the defensive line is able to do in front of him. You're able to shoot the gaps if your if your defensive tackles and your defensive ends are doing their job, you know. Um, yeah, but listen, uh, I'm, not, I'm not at the point where, oh, Luke is taking a steep downhill. He's too many concussions. I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried about the man yet. He's still the leader on our defense. When you look at the the plays that he has made and what he does for the formation of our defensive line, no one where the play is going to be able to go. So uh, Logan, who was just on here, was saying that with the Lions, uh, other teams were calling out their plays uh, before they even ran them. I mean, did you think number 59 is not going to be doing the same thing this Sunday? I mean, Luke is always on it. Preparation is everything to him. I want that player in my defensive lineup every single time. I'm not worried about Luke. All right, next call. Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is uh, G. Kavassier. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Um, I know we got Detroit this weekend, and I know they have been giving up sack after sack after sack the last past two games. I think this game, we should come out with at least four sacks. And with me saying that, like I said before, yeah. I would love to improve the pass rush. And I was looking on Twitter and watching NFL Network, and I just realized a couple hours ago 
that the Jets release Coney Ely. Now, to me, I would love him to come back to Carolina. I really would because he was a good defensive end. He wasn't the best, but he was good. He showed his ass during the Super Bowl. Well, he was in one I'm not gonna lie. He, he showed his ass. So um, I would love for him to come back to Carolina. I seriously doubt it's going to happen. And with that um, cadet pickup to me, I guess it's okay because we signed players you never heard of. I just personally think that Ron Rivera did that to get some insight on the Saints. Just like how Steve Smith <laughs> Steve Smith went to the Ravens and brought the playbook and everything like that. And the only problem is I think they had a different offensive coordinator when Cadet was with the Saints. So I don't know. But uh and I'm still I'm kinda pissed off about the C J Anderson stuff. I mean, we shouldn't have even picked him up because he only scored what one touchdown. So give me guys thoughts on that and uh keep pounding. All right, uh, you know, Coney Ely obviously is a journeyman that I thought was about to get a second chance in um, New in New York with the Jets, and then I guess he has found his way to Oakland and back again, and uh, I don't think the coaching staff was particularly happy with him. Uh, but, man, I tell you, that one game goes a different way, and and that is the Carolina Panthers win that Super Bowl. Arguably, he could be – he had the same game that Von Bell had, and he could be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, where does that, and where does that change his career? I don't know. So I'll let you guys uh, finish up on that. We only got one left call. Any th- uh, that was the last call, actually. Last thoughts on that. Good. No way. No way we bring something anyway back. Um, pipe dream. He wasn't that good. He had one good game. That's it. All right. All right. Yeah, guys, I'm this- not. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of the Coney move. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think. I, we would have to be in a bad way if if we had to bring Coney oh, back on to yeah, to, to to to. Yeah, this super desperate. If we needed Coney to generate a pass rush, um, yeah, I, I think that we're better off without him. But uh, listen, the last thing I want to say, and I know that was the last call. This is my my final plea to everything: get that Pittsburgh game out of your mind. It's mm-hmm. time to move forward. We're a better mm-hmm. football team to be put on display. We've had our time to dwell on it and think about it, but it's time to move forward. We are still in this. We're still the uh, number five ranked team in the NFC right now. Uh, there's only like three other teams that have a record better than us, I think. This season is in our hands. Be optimistic. Our motto is keep pounding for a reason. It's time to put your head up. It's time to do work. Support the Panthers. All right. My name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers. Oh, actually, no. Before we close it out, we got to do that. We got ISO. one more. Yeah. One more. We've got ice up picks to go. Um, Joe, you want to start us off? Yeah, mine's pretty simple and sweet. I'm icing up the new man out west. The new your Oakland Raiders. John Gruden has absolutely turned that team against him. He has set that team on a course of absolute implosion. I don't know if you guys read this on Twitter, 
But um, I heard, I read on Twitter that a reporter caught one of the players saying to another on the way out of the locker room, I got to get the F out of here. As in, I got to get my way out of Oakland. I thought he said everybody wanted to call him up and tell him how they wanted to be a radar. Right, right. Well, he's lying because his own players that are there now that he hasn't let go are wanting out. So, you know, that team, that team, you know, they had some good years prior to him getting there. The most recent ones weren't so great, but early in Carr's career, they were doing okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that Gruden, his time may have passed. His coaching style doesn't seem to go over with today's players. So because of the disgruntled locker room the coach has created, I'm going to ice up Mr. John Gruden. John Gruden, get it together, man. You better with your uh, inner feelings and sort them out, or you're going to have a full-on mutiny there. And they will be carrying you out of Oakland on a pike. So, ice up, John. I'll tell you one thing is uh, ice up John Gruden because be careful when you buy into your own legend. You know, your ego and that, and that it has been a disaster. All right, Cody, what you got for me? Yeah, man. Um, So I want to bring you to New York at a place called, and let me make sure I I have this right. Uh, It is um, Purchase College Campus in New York. And one of the students behind one of the toilets in the bathroom found a shrine to Danny DeVito in their bathroom behind one of the toilets. And all right, listen, Danny, Danny, I have a picture up there. I don't know how well it's uh, coming through. But I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I mean, listen, man, it's a. I, I don't know what possesses one to build a shrine to anyone. All right, let me just say that to anyone. But to Danny DeVito of all people, I mean, if you find him funny, that's fine. But I don't know what possesses someone to do this and what kind of free time you have on your hands uh, when you're doing this in the first place. But I'm telling you, you have way too much. So to whoever built a shrine, to Danny DeVito on their campus behind the toilet, ice up, son. All right. Uh, <laughs> my pick this week goes to uh, specifically out of, uh, well, it's a ton of people. It's these freaking Wisconsin kids that threw the Hail Hitler sign up yeah. as uh, as their as their prom pick. who the hell by the way who has prom in uh in whatever we're in november you know that's what my wife told me is that was the prom picture who does who does prom during this thing? maybe they do the year-round schooling deal all right so these kids so really though my ice up pick also goes to the lion ass cameraman 
who then tries to say, no, I told them to wave goodbye to their parents. And they just all happen to be throwing up this arm like this. When have you ever seen a dude wave to his parents like, <laughs> it is so, I don't know what you're doing, kids. I don't know what these dumbass white kids are, are doing today, but when I was young and we were, we were like listening to rap music, we were trying to hang with some brothers. We weren't trying to yeah. fight these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, good God, y'all and your little ass brains and your little ass heads and your little ass, you know what? Yo, bro, like y'all got to ice up because I don't know where this is a disconnect from history at this point to where you don't understand what real human suffering is about. And you you just don't get it. And that this goes to the same asshole who wore the Mississippi Justice T-shirt to the damn polls. And you, know oh, what I'm yeah. and you you don't know what human suffering is, obviously, and you have zero empathy. You're a little spoiled little bitches, you're little spoiled brats. And and to the to the cameraman, I felt like this was me telling a lie to my parents when I was nine. We were just I told them to wave goodbye. I don't know what happened. So to you, assholes, I up. All right. My name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. We got to get out of this mug. We got to go. You can catch us on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. We go until your calls are finished, it seems like. And you guys got a lot to say, and I love it. Don't slow down. The number is 252-228-5098. That's how you get your voice heard. If you want to hang out with Joe Riolano and talk football on Twitter, how they hit you up, brother? Cody Lashney, the man producing, the man putting the clips up, letting you know what's up. My favorite, one of my favorite rap groups is the Clips. That's what I'm going to call you. The Clips. The Clips. Where you at, brother? How can they find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Cody Lax, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Come and holler at me about anything in the world. It doesn't even have to be about football. I'm a rapper too. You already know what it is. Word up. And I'm going to tell you this. It's time to put those lines in the ground. It's time to put them out of their misery. They need someone to put them out of their misery. You saw my man suffering tonight. And his suffering has got to be ended. Our suffering does not need to continue. Check us out after Sunday when we beat down those Lions and we get back on the Panthers. The Panthers postgame show here by C3. And we celebrate this. Again, we'll see you next Tuesday night if we can't catch you then. The number is 252-228-5098. Subscribe, like, do whatever you got to do to help this podcast grow because it's for you, my friend, and for Panther Nation. Good night. Pound. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out carolinacatchronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie.